0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risks to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com.
0: Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show here on the We Are Libertarians Network. Thanks for joining us today. We are going to talk about Robin Hood and GameStop and the SEC and elitism and populism and executive orders and all kinds of stuff. And just to tell you how upside down the world is, you're going to agree with an editorial from the New York Times by the end of the show. So it's going to be quite the show. We're going to explain. I have all kinds of prep and news and then I'm bringing Douglas Kaking on to tell us who's telling the truth because I don't know what's going on. You're talking to a guy that bought Bitcoin at 37 and sold at 32. So I, I'm no help when it comes to all this stuff. So stay tuned. And if you don't mind, share the show if you're watching live. Help us
1: grow. We appreciate it. We'll be right back after this break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
2: Warning: This show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media.
0: Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. It is great to see you. We are having quite the 2021. I thought, you know, they're taking Trump off of everything. It's all going to slow down. It's all going to just, you know, be a little more chill. Everybody's going to get a break. And then in 2021, the first Wednesday, you've got an insurrection. The next Wednesday, you've got Joe Biden getting sworn again. Then the next Wednesday, you've got impeachment. And then... The next Wednesday, you've got all the GameStop stuff, so everything is just accelerating, and it's getting uh, crazier and crazier, and we're just here to help you try and figure out what's going on, and I'll be honest, I'm trying to figure out what's going on, because when it comes to matters of financial things, like, I am not good with it. And nothing we will say on this show will be financial advice. <laughs> we are we are just here to try and break down the news. We are not telling you to do or do not do anything. The only thing I do is put some stash money. I use stash and buy exchange-traded funds and some Bitcoin. That's, that's the extent of it. And uh, so before we introduce our guest, who's going to help us figure out what's going on, Reinhold is sick today, um, so we hope his COVID gets better. And Harry,
3: how are you doing? Going good, going good. Uh, yeah, I also preference to that uh don't take financial advice from me either. Um. <laughs> but you are frantically looking for your Dogecoin, are you not? Yes, I am. My my house is torn apart. Somewhere in this house is a hard drive with bunch of Dogecoin on it, and I swear if I don't get this before this crap coin dumps, I'll be very upset. H- how much do you have? Honestly, I could probably, I've got enough. I could probably pay off the last portion of one of my houses. So if I can find it, I'm going to do it. (laughs) That is. (laughs) Do you want me
0: to come over and help? I promise not to steal it when I find it.
3: (laughs) As bad as you are with finances, I know you won't. You know, you probably just try to hold it and watch it drop. (laughs) Well,
0: I work and make money to buy books, which is a terrible investment strategy uh before we start i want to thank all the members of wall plus w-a-l plus for we are libertarians as they are the reason this show and network exist. and you can support the show by supporting by by accessing all the great benefits at joinwallplus.com uh and that includes getting all these extra shows you know they're all already in the patreon for instance so you join now you get to listen to basically the shows that are scheduled out for the next two months almost uh so, and here's some of those great interviews first, you get commercial free audio, you get access to the archives. If you are on the public feed, you are missing out on over seven hundred shows that you could go back and listen to tons of information and interviews and great content talking about both libertarianism and current events. You can go back and relive my post divorce period, which is why that's behind a paywall. Uh, All kinds of fun stuff, so make sure you go over and you get merch. There's merch if you sign up uh, through joinwallplus.com. Thank you especially to our $100 a month members, John Pusilo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Jeff Bennett, Ryan Hold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thanks especially to Jeff Bennett for coming on this past week. Uh, He runs a couple restaurants and an ice cream shop, Ampersand Ice Cream in Fresno. And uh, he describes what it's been like running small businesses in California, and it's as bad as you think it is. Uh, the thing that he told us that I couldn't believe is like there's black markets popping up, right? Because here in Indiana, our buddy Remzo just flew into in uh, to Indiana and returned home with. Uh, an unpleasant surprise, so uh, Brian Nichols will be hosting his show for uh, for a while. So to download On The Run to get that crossover. But Remzo was like, he's from Virginia. He goes, I can't believe people are shopping and going to restaurants. The restaurants are full, Harry. What the heck's going on in Indiana? I go, oh. That we don't care about it here at all <laughs> <laughs> versus California where you have to get black market haircuts because the beauty salons are blacking out their front windows. Uh, so it, it's just it's interesting that federalism stuff really has has uh, different rules in different places. Now, joining us today to talk about GameStop is Douglas Gaking. And in the Patreon, in the, jo- in the wall plus, I should say, Old Habits Die Hard, 20 years I will be calling it the Patreon, Um, and the We Are Libertarians podcast. And so we recorded before the markets opened on Thursday an episode explaining all the GameStop stuff, Douglas, and by the time I was able to post it Thursday evening for Friday morning, everything seemed to have changed and the conversation was totally different and I just said, hey... Well would you, would you mind coming on after all the smoke clears so a thank you for coming back but can we start with who you are and why do you why should we listen to you as opposed to you know doorstop 97 on reddit what what is your what are your credentials to discuss financial matters
4: um well uh yeah thanks for having me on and uh it, it's it'll, it'll be fun to do this again um <laughs> But uh, things really were changing a lot uh, on Thursday. As we were talking, Robin Hood was tweeting about how they were responding to things. So it it really made it difficult to keep up with it. But now that we're on into the weekend here, I think it'll be easier. Um, So I am a high school teacher. Uh, I've been interested in in finance and economics for a long time, Uh, was self-learning for a while. Uh, Finally went back to school and got my MBA uh, with a concentration in economics um, and I do some financial writing, mostly for seeking alpha and then some a little bit on a blog where I don't make any money off of it too. Uh, but just, just something that's really interesting to me and that I know a lot about and that I teach high school students about. so that's that's mostly where I'm coming from. Uh, I also have covered GameStop specifically for seeking alpha.
0: Okay, perfect. So you have a long history with GameStop. Let's talk about the company itself, because it's a brick-and-mortar store of video games. And whenever I'm around people who are under the age of 30, they're playing on Steam. And and basically what GameStop, what I tend to view as the Netflixification of the gaming industry, did to GameStop what happened to Blockbuster. Yes, it's a word here. Look it up. Uh, so is that true?
4: I mean, what what is GameStop's position at this point? So I wrote an article about this a couple years ago called Is GameStop the Next Blockbuster? Uh, because there were all these people on internet forums promoting their short positions in GameStop by um, calling it the next Blockbuster or Blockbuster 2.0. Mm. And uh, the point that I made was that the comparison really isn't accurate. Uh, GameStop, uh, so, so bl- Blockbuster was not just, uh, is not just a story of a dying industry or a changing economy. It, it was just a poorly run company. They were making really dumb investment decisions. Like giving right. me 13 cents for a Wii game as opposed to the dollar that I think I deserve. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, that, so uh, so from, uh, from, well, for Blockbuster's, Blockbuster's the equivalent of that was their, their, uh, late fees. And then they said they were getting rid of late fees, but they really were still charging people late fees. They were just calling it something else. Uh, so that was Blockbuster's equivalent of GameStop's, uh, only giving you 13 cents for your Wii game. But you, to be honest, your Wii game was only worth 13 cents. Ah, way. damn free
0: market, Harry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but, uh, uh, blockbuster was, was doing some crazy things. They had an opportunity to invest in Netflix to actually acquire Netflix. And they didn't. And then they instead, but, but it wasn't that they were just being conservative. They were off making other investment decisions that were completely wacky. At one point they had a partnership with Enron. <laughs> Enron. <laughs> Why? I, I, Oh yeah, it was, it was completely absurd. Um, so uh, you know, to to compare what blo- uh, to compare GameStop, which is just pretty much as conventional retailer, uh, specialty retail company to, to what Blockbuster was doing is just it's just not it really accurate. OK, uh, but that narrative has really been pushed by people who have been holding short positions in GameStop because they believe this is a dying company and a dying industry and they don't like the way the company is being managed. And there are arguments for that but uh the the cases they, they've really made a stronger case than there actually is uh interestingly the sec has not been threatening those people with uh you know consequences for for their you know uh abusive <laughs> language about gamestop like the people who are promoting gamestop and they which they've been saying that yeah so, so the, the, the
0: wall street journal and I guess we can kind of pick up on the story. The Wall Street Journal had this great profile of kind of the the leader in the Reddit revolution. Uh, Dakota Davis of the Boss Hog of Liberty podcaster on the We Are Libertarians Network said that this is our Boston Tea Party for millennials. Um, but Keith Gill, who's 34, his a username is deep effing value, but the whole word, on Reddit's Wall Street Bets forum uh is the guy who's kind of he he goes by something kitty what's his on on youtube roaring kitty on youtube and and it looked to me like he's kind of got the uh he's adapted the whole um he's a youtuber basically talking about financial issues taking you back into the back end of his uh you know trading account and he's a day trader and, but he's put it on YouTube and he's big in this Reddit forum. And the Reddit forum has grown from like 40,000 people to like six and a half million this week. So rip that community. Um, but, you know, he's, he seems like a really decent guy who just is really into trading stocks and doesn't have any malice towards GameStop. He was just trying to make money. And obviously he did. And he made, I mean, there's some people who made like millions. I was reading this, um, bloomberg article that like some people walked away with 50 million dollars like one guy who just joined the board um who's the head of chewy.com just joined the board and uh he walked away with like 50 some million dollars uh kevin a new york times reporter reported that some kid a prepubescent kid uh Named the uh, said he made fifteen thousand dollars in GameStop on his brother's R- Robinhood account. So you know there's some long term, but he basically this uh, Keith Gill started investing in GameStop in 2019 and started talking about it in Wall Street bets, and it sort of catched catched on. And you know he's not shorting the stock. He's not trying to punish them, like some like basically the Merlin capital folks that went out of business. But it seemed like in reading this article about what was actually going on in wall street bets, they weren't trying to hurt GameStop. They were just doing what
4: Douglas. So, uh, so, so the people with short positions kind of were trying to hurt GameStop, at least trying to hurt its shareholders. They were betting that the, the stock would go down and we could talk more about how, how that works later. If you want to, uh, what uh, the, investors on uh, on reddit uh, I, I believe the the uh, guy you're talking about I kind of skimmed that article earlier um, they were betting uh, they were just simply uh, buying stock in game or buying call options uh, that that were betting that the, the stock price would go up so because he started buying at five what, <laughs> when it was five in, in 2019 so so funny story. You mentioned you uh, you you bought a uh, Bitcoin at thirty seven and sold it at thirty two. <laughs> I bought GameStop at twenty five and sold it at seventeen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sold it in December, and now and now it's like I would have made thousands of dollars. I don't know. I don't even know what I would. Have. I don't. I don't want to do the math and find out how much money I would have made if I still had it. <laughs> yeah, like I I you know what? Here's the thing. It's like. Once
0: I've learned about Dogecoin and GameStop and all that stuff that's the la- that's the time you stop investing it's like it's the old social media rule. If your grandparents or parents get on it, it's done, which rip telegram because everyone's grandma's on telegram now. you know it's like if Harry knows about it, then it's cutting edge and trendy in in all of this internet culture. If niece tells me about it, then I'm like I'm all in, but if I'm just learning about it on my own. Then it's probably not a good time. Like, if Bitcoin is hitting me in the face all of a sudden on my Twitter account, I should not be investing in in Bitcoin or any of that. You know, I shouldn't speculate. I, let me put it that way. You know, and so these these folks look like they had an investment strategy of some sort, or they had conversation around it. Like they weren't just recklessly investing. It's all of the people like. Me, who put $20 into AMC this week because I wanted to speculate, who are gambling, that seems to be more of the people who, you know, I learned my lesson. I'm, I lost 5 bucks. Uh, donated $5 towards the revolution, which, funny thing about AMC, um, a friend of a friend... Who works on in uh san francisco said that they were able to convert their bonds to stock options and amc may be saved as a company now um so i I have no idea if that's true it's but that was a street rumor but um you know there seems to be a difference between the wall street bets group douglas and just the speculators from the last week
4: yeah yeah, this is um behaving like a a speculative bubble, which we've seen time and time again, you saw it in internet stocks in in the late 1990s. And, and the people who did get in late, my, my friends who were posting on Facebook that they were getting in on Wednesday and Thursday, they're the ones getting in late. It, it, it's it's functions a lot like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. You know, the people who get there late are are the losers um, once you get into. Uh, so I, I really believe the stock market is not a zero sum game. Some people say it is and, and I get where they're coming from with it. But I, I think it's not. I think everybody can make money without having to force other people to lose money. I've seen plenty of examples of that. But once you get into a speculative bubble like this, it's it's a zero sum game. There are going to be winners and losers, and that's exactly what's happening here. And I think a good thing to point out uh, today is that uh, it's not necessarily just uh, a revol- like the revolution narrative is really fun, but that's not entirely what's going on here. There are hedge funds on both sides of this. There are retail investors on both sides of this. So that um, so narrative is really fun, and the memes are great and all that. Uh, but there really are billionaires on both sides of this and middle-class people on both sides of this.
0: Yeah, because there was one one tell of this, is that you, you saw once Robinhood turned off trading on Thursday, Every, volume still continued. And so there's speculation by people with term Bloomberg terminals and and professional investors. And I saw something and I have no idea, maybe you can explain Citadel and their relationship to Robinhood. But I saw one person explain that basically, they get the information from Robinhood milliseconds early. And so these hedge funds get that data from Robinhood of where everybody's going. And then they turn their AI on to that and start pushing the volume up. And so your your Robinhood account was a drop in the bucket compared to the billions of dollars and the AI that that professional streeters have. I mean, right.
4: I, that's something I saw on Twitter. I mean, is that sort of in the realm of reality? It, uh, from what I've heard, yes, and and also that's just in general how Wall Street functions now. Uh, there's a book by Michael Lewis. He he wrote The Big Short is his most famous book, probably. Uh, but he also wrote a book called Flash Boys, which is about frequent high-frequency trading. And that's exactly the kind of thing that's happening. If you have higher-speed uh, fiber-optic cables and y- you put your servers you know, right across the street from the New York Stock Exchange, which some people have done, and then you can get the information faster than everybody else, and you can make your trades faster than everybody else. And then if you... Get that information directly from brokerages like Robinhood, you then can see the way people are behaving and beat them to their own trades. So that's been happening in the market for years. Um, so, and, and really throughout the history of the market, retail traders like us have always been kind of on, on the back end. You know, we're always getting in late on any trade that's happening. And That still, again, doesn't necessarily mean it's a zero-sum game because there's still a lot of money to be made. Even if you're just passively investing in an index fund, you're probably doubling your money every 12 years. So you could be mad about the the extra cents they're shaving off with high-frequency trading, but I I personally am not going to get mad about that too much. Um, But the the interesting thing with, with Citadel and Robinhood is that... So Robinhood is providing for most of their most of their users a free service and uh some of their users are, are using a paid subscription type service uh, to so they can trade on margin and stuff like that but most of robin hood's money is actually being made by deals like what they have with citadel where they're selling data and stuff like that um or they're they're gaining interest off the uh money that people have in their accounts that's not invested in stocks just the cash that's being held in their accounts or they are um uh getting some some fee money from options and and uh shorting shares and that kind of stuff so that's where all their money is being made so when you see um you know robin ceo get on cnn and say well we're looking out for our customers best interest you got to remember that just like Facebook and Twitter and any of these social media companies, if you're not paying them money, you're not the customer. You're the, you're the product. Right. And that's what is, is happening to uh, that's what a lot of these Robinhood users were realizing that this week when the trades they wanted to make couldn't be made Um, is this is supposed to be about me. Why isn't it about me? (laughs) You weren't paying for the service. So What, what commitment do they actually have to you other than to make sure they don't commit fraud? I mean, that's about it. That's I, I, the only thing they really have to do.
0: Yeah, I tune into uh, Mad Money with Jim Cramer every now and then because I do enjoy that, uh, that show. But, you know, so, I, I mean, so I have enough knowledge to know that, like, Robinhood, like, if you're going to really invest, then you need to go to a brokerage firm or you need to go to a, a traditional firm or maybe even start a, you know, is it E-Trade? Who, who is, what do you use to do your trades? Do you use Uh, Robinhood or do you use something a little more
4: professional? So I have used Robinhood in the past, uh, mostly because anytime something new comes out in finance, I like to experiment with it. And then I can teach my students better about what the heck is going on. Um, and, and I like writing about it too. So I can write online articles about it. I wrote an article about how to maximize, you know, the advantages of Robinhood, um, uh, a couple years ago as well uh, in terms of investment strategy. But I actually use E-Trade mostly because the other brokerage firm that I had originally set up my Roth IRA with got bought out by E-Trade. So I just kind of ended up at E-Trade. Um, and E-Trade now has no transaction fees, just like Robinhood. Most mm. of the industry has followed Robinhood down that path because they were losing business to Robinhood. Um, the The disadvantage to Robinhood is you you're not in a retirement account. You're in a taxable account. Mm-hmm. Um, so the nice thing about that is you can withdraw your money anytime and just start using it. But you're you have some tax disadvantages. How uh, pissed are the to parents pay of capital that gains tax? That, you're that thirteen. Pay tax on dividends. Sorry, yeah, that
0: thirteen-year-old boy who just made fifteen grand going on his parents' taxes. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you got to yeah you got to exactly. yeah, pay capital gains, income tax, and and all the other you yeah. know just like you made income right.
4: Yeah, and now, and now you have to add extra forms to your taxes. And now, thanks to uh, Donald Trump, quote, unquote, simplifying the tax system, <laughs> you have to add several extra forms to your taxes that oh, you didn't <laughs> used to have to add before. Uh, because they, they, they got it down to a, a note card, right, or a postcard. That's what they said they were going to do. Right. So now all the things that used to be on the 1040 are now on all these other forms. So you have like, I, I did my taxes last year, and it was like 40 pages just for my federal because of all the schedule forms I had attached. And some of that was because I still had a Robin Hood account. I sold it all um, and and you took the money to to make the down payment on my house and uh, I had capital gains tax uh dividend income tax all that stuff i had to, I actually had uh toyed around with I, uh I forget if it was cryptocurrencies or commodities or something like that. And then I was like, there were three more forms for that. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> you know, I made five bucks off this trade. And now I have to fill out five forms to claim the the 87 cents of tax that I have to pay or something like it was like. it's it, So uh, it's, it's not really an ideal situation. So I, I would get with a brokerage firm like you've got E-Trade, Schwab. Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, there's a bunch of probably others that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head where you can set up um, an IRA or a Roth IRA instead of paying all this tax stuff every year. But mm-hmm. um, So I have a Roth IRA, so I put in taxed income. I've already paid income tax on it. When I retire, I'm withdrawing that money tax-free, no income tax. And by that point, it's three or four times as much money because it's been, you know, gaining value in the stock market over that time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I have a... Oh my
4: gosh, it's a better situation. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and I have, you know, the 401k through work and then I also use the Stash app, which is sort of like Robinhood, but it does a few more things. And for my own personal... Interest. I will put my referral link in the show notes, which I do get uh, commission on, uh, for Stash. And I really like it, and I put more and more into that IRA, into that account, and, you know, just buying ETF funds. Like, I I guess this is the the thing. It's like, I don't... So, people bought and speculated, and I'm sure there are people who put thousands of dollars into GameStop on Wednesday, and they're going to lose that money, because... I just finished this book called The Day the Bubble Burst. It was really good. It was about kind of the months leading up to the the stock market crash in 29. And 28, 29. I didn't retain most of the book, apparently. But, you know, what you see in that book is the speculative nature of that period and the bubbles that were taking place and, you know, just how wildly speculative. And then once it all started to crash – people couldn't sell quick enough. They couldn't, and they didn't have the the data advantage that a Jesse Livermore had or, uh, you know, a Billy Durant who was the head of GM or, you know, they, they could afford like these fancy telegram wires that allowed them to have instant information. But like the poor Ukrainian couple that's putting their money in the Flint bank can't get their money out. Right. Because they can't get out of the stock market quick enough. They can't sell quick enough. And so, that speculation bites them and they're behind, and so we always go, well, these people lost all this money and they're the ones that are going to get hurt in all this and you know it's not the hedge fund managers, nobody feels sorry for them right? I don't feel sorry for Merlin Capital for losing billions of dollars. like they'll be fine'll they'll, they'll come back. but you know, at some point you have to go, this is personal choice, right like I'm if I put 20 bucks on AMC, I expect to lose that $20, right? I don't expect to lose, you know, in an ETF, which is an exchange-traded fund, you know, buying along with the Dow Jones Industrial Average, buying along with NASDAQs, you know. Like, that's – people should be smarter about it. And I I guess, I mean, maybe Harry's walking away, but Douglas, it seems like most (laughs) – when I look at people talking about this stuff – that's sort of everybody's just having fun with this right like so every populist politician popped up going we need to do something about this we need to protect the little guy elizabeth warren and and aoc is calling it a casino for billionaires and ted cruz wants to get involved and they're agreeing and it's like (laughs) most people involved in this are having fun and anything you're going to do to help quote-unquote solve this situation is only going to make it worse
4: yeah, I think most people recognize that this is speculative. Um, from what I've seen and I and I do see people who have never really been into the stock market before getting involved, but they recognize too that this is speculative and this is just kind of a funny thing and they're willing to to it, it's really no different than uh people a week ago throwing money into um the uh the like billion dollar lottery jackpot that that was that you know. It They know it's silly. They know they're not going to win, but it's just fun, Um, you know, and that's why people gamble. That's why people are into sports betting is a huge thing right now, and it's very similar. So when when we get this speculative, that's what's happening, and it seems like most people recognize with this situation that it really is speculative, and that's kind of one of the things I like about this is everybody is just kind of having fun with this speculative thing, and now that we have transaction-free trading, you can literally throw 20 bucks in and see what happens, and there's not a lot of risk, and that wasn't very practical when you had huge transaction fees every time you bought stock. So, yeah, because you I, I can buy fractions.
0: Yeah, you can buy fractions of a stock. Helen says, you know, I own like 0.000000017 of Tesla. You know, so that's how these companies like Robinhood and Stash do it is they you buy like a fractional part. Now, unlike the lottery where, you know, they're uh on the back end of the lottery to make it work they, you know, lower license plate fees, and there's some social benefit to it, I'm sure, somewhere. Um, what are the risks to, to this kind of speculation? Because, I mean, does it, does it hurt these companies? Does it hurt the overall market? Does it hurt the economy? Does it hurt, I mean, individuals if they're not smart about it? I mean, what are the costs to this new mode of investing?
4: Most of the people who are involved in the speculation or, or in the investing, whether they're on the short side, like a lot of these hedge funds or on the just speculating on, uh, and, and trying to stick it to the hedge fund side, um, most of those people recognize the risk that's involved. Um if you short a stock you could you could potentially lose an infinite amount of money in theory uh and anybody who does that should already know that it, 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 if you are sophisticated enough to make the trade, you probably understand the risk involved already with that and um so i everyone if everybody understands the risk that they're getting involved with there's i see no problem with that um just like you know if you go into sports betting like if you want to do that you that's your right you should be allowed to gamble on something if you want to as long as you understand that you have a very good chance of losing money that's fine um the the only real risk i see involved that anybody needs to be concerned about is um the amount of trading that's going on uh and the way it's all consolidated uh it's kind of exposing some vulnerabilities in the system in terms of like liquidity of the uh, brokerage firms uh, and the way they interact with the clearing houses and the effect that short positions uh, that, that a short squeeze could have on the long positions that some of these hedge funds have too. a lot of these hedge funds have been forced to sell stock in their long positions that they've had to cover their short positions. So that's why we saw the stock market go down about 2% on Wednesday, was they were being forced to sell off positions. And you could actually see like on which sectors uh, were losing the most money. Like materials, uh, basic materials sector, and, uh, hedge funds have been pouring money into it the last couple months because they see this inflation building up. And so they've been pouring money into that. That was one of the hardest hit sectors on Wednesday because it was hedge funds selling. And then um, and then you saw the money going back into there on Thursday, even uh, conveniently when trading was being disabled from these people who were trying to buy GameStop. So making it look very suspicious. Uh, So um, but but um, some of the people who are worried that's that's going to take down the whole market, uh, it's probably not going to to be anything like that. Hedge funds only own about 3% of the equity in the entire market. So, they could swing the market two or three percent, and that's about all that all they're going to be able to accomplish. Which so begs it's the question: a, It's not a huge risk to like your 401 k or anything like that.
0: Yeah, which begs the question: If they're the only three percent, when they're made out to seem so much bigger than that, than the, in reality they are. How much does Robinhood and the individual redditor and the revolution and it's going to take over? I
4: mean, that has to be even smaller than that three percent, right? Probably or probably comparable, because. Um, the percentage of the market that's actually owned by households is actually pretty big. Mm. Uh, but most of that is, you know, indirect ownership or, you know, long, it's, it's not the people who are speculating at GameStop right now. It's people K's, who pensions, own some Disney right. stock and have had it for 20 years okay. and, you know, and that kind of thing. So, um, uh, so, really, yeah, you are talking about a small percentage of the market on both sides of this. And it just seems big because, uh, a security like GameStop stock is only, uh, it, it's so small. Um, when you have small cap stocks like that GameStop for the last several years has had times where it's up or down 15% in a single day. Then that had, you know, nothing to do with this. It's just that it's a small cap stock that people are trying to figure out how to price it. So it, fluctuates a lot and um i mean it could have been in the financial news a lot more than it has been because of how volatile it's been over the years but it's also such a small company it it really doesn't impact the overall market much
0: harry let's jump in here i'm sure you've got thoughts on all this
3: Uh, Let's see. Full disclosure, I do have some cash in Robin Hood. I do play with it a whole bunch. I use it mostly just – it's just the play money. Have I made money on it? Yep, which makes me not want to pull it out because I just put a little in to play with, and now it's like, crap, I've got to pay taxes on this now. (laughs) Hope I I lose it all. (laughs) Right. But uh, yeah, GameStop always fluctuates. Also, because it's based off of other markets that things are also in the market, like um, like game companies out there as they announce things, different games coming out. Are they announcing new consoles? Did this new console do well? Are they selling enough of that console? And then when it, or something launches, like well, this is going to and if GameStop gets a pre-order exclusive you also get that they also get that type of bonus stuff that's another reason why it fluctuates a whole bunch um, that's why a lot of people did buy GameStop this last round because it's like oh a new console's coming out they're probably going to do well this quarter you know next few quarters because people are going to go to there to get their consoles or at least pre-order their consoles you know uh, that's that's where like uh, like my boss that's why uh, she went and bought some um, GameStop which I wish I would have bought it in November and held on to it but I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I, bought ma- I bought more Mazda because I'm rotor head, so I believe in Mazda.
0: <laughs> so you're usually pretty risk-averse to, like, if you're the product, you're the product, not the consumer. You don't like that sort of stuff. So
3: you still engage in some of this? Uh, Yeah, yeah. This because I kind of understood what it was doing because, like, this way it was free. It was holding my cash and let me do all this for free. It was like, okay. It, but it was more of everyone at work was doing it and oh yeah he's doing it and i was just like okay whatever i'll put some cash in just to freaking play with this thing and just to, you know have that camaraderie with your group and everyone was around you that was doing this whatever i'll play i do is that where i put the bulk of my investment money at heck no no sitting over at um i'm not even going to tell you where that is i'm sitting at a spot go get your own place <laughs> but it's a brick and mortar brokerage that i can actually go to and it has my roth ira from yeah almost a decade ago when I was with Marsh. So that's where it's at now. So um, the thing is, though, with when I was w- the revolutionary type of talk with it, it it does get even gets to me because I like the idea of people understanding. I like how much power they really have sitting in their house. You know, this is what you can do if you guys all stick together and do one different thing. You know, you you have some ability to affect things in small ways. But and it's bigger if you guys amplify and put it all together. That's right. uh, Oh, sorry,
0: I had to uh, use the restroom, and so I'm (laughs) like, Harry. It's a great thing about having good co-hosts because you know when you've had your 32 ounces of water. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, So let's talk about Robin Hood for a second because let's talk about all the villains in this, okay? And and if there are villains, because. You know, there it seems to me that I kind of look around and I go, I don't know that anybody did anything wrong. Like the Redditors got blamed by the media and it took on this like whole Trumpy thing, which we'll talk about in a moment. And then everybody's mad at Merlin Capital and Citadel and Robin Hood and Dave Portnoy's calling for jailing. And it's just like, you know, for an anonymous Redditor, Is in there talking on Reddit about talking up a stock. I I guess I don't see the difference between that and somebody on CNBC who holds significant positions talking about a company or a CEO who owns stock in their own company talking about it or, you know, like talking about this stuff and driving up the price. To me, I just don't see the problem with that if everybody is fully aware, as long as fraud is not taking place. And then for Robinhood's part, you know, we saw on Thursday, everybody turn on them until they gave an explanation. And I want to give their side of the story because I don't think that's gotten out. And then I want Douglas to kind of pick that apart and tell us what what in it they said. But this is a blog post from, I think, yesterday. Yeah, the 28th, so two days ago. So they basically just wanted people to understand how this works. And they write, When you buy or sell a stock, Robinhood sends your orders to market makers that execute your trade. Market makers send a record of the trade to Robinhood Securities, which works with a clearinghouse to record the trade. It takes two days for the clearinghouse to transfer the stock to the buyer and funds to the seller. This is known as clearance and settlement. In other words, everyone getting what they agreed to when the trade was executed. In the industry, this is referred to as trade date plus two days to settle or T plus two. Clearing houses are SEC-registered organizations that act as the central depository for securities. They keep a record of the stocks owned through a brokerage. Clearing brokerages, like Robinhood Securities, are members of clearing houses. These clearing houses have membership rules approved by the SEC that govern the activity of their members. So clearing houses establish financial requirements for members, including deposit requirements designed to reduce risk to the clearing house. So it sounds, Douglas, just to kind of you know, for people like me who are not sophisticated in this stuff, you've got Robinhood, the company where you trade the app that goes to their their Robinhood Securities, which is their brokerage, which is then part of a clearinghouse, which I
4: guess is a, what a collection of brokerages. Uh, they they well they're they're yeah the brokerages interact with the clearinghouse, uh, and and I believe for for most of these trades, the New York Stock Exchange or the Nasdaq actually would be the clearinghouse. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and what they have to do is at the end of each trading session, they have to clear all the trades. So they have to transfer funds for the amount of, you know, to cover all the trades that have happened. So if you imagine you're Robin Hood and you have, uh, you know, I don't I don't know how many users they're up to right now, but say a couple million people and they're all making trades. Some of those accounts are on margin. So some of those people are actually trading more money than they actually deposited into their accounts. Uh, they have to cover that, so they have to have enough capital on hand to handle all that. Which so me- if you do get a huge consolidation of volume in a single day, that could create a major problem for them. Yeah, so, so that's me- essentially been Robin Hood's argument: is that w- we got overwhelmed by this. We can we have to make sure we can can clear with the clearinghouses. There are regulatory agencies on top of this that make sure that we do that the right way so that we don't take the whole market down. So we have to do that. That's essentially been their their defense uh, for why they had shut down trading on these stocks Thursday. So
0: they, they said, what happened this week? The amount required by clearinghouses to cover the settlement period of some securities rose tremendously. How much? To put it in perspective this week alone, our clearinghouse mandated deposit requirements related to equities increased tenfold. That's what led us to put temporary buying restrictions in place on a small number of securities that the clearinghouses had raised their deposit requirements on. It was not because we wanted to stop people from buying these stocks. We did this because the required amount we had to deposit with the clearinghouse was so large, with individual huh. volatile securities accounting for hundreds of millions of dollars in deposits. So the securities themselves had so much. So that we had to take steps to limit buying in those volatile securities to ensure we could comfortably meet our requirements. Our goal is to enable purchasing for all securities on our platform. This is a dynamic, volatile market, and we have and may continue to take action to make sure that those requirements are met. So this sounds a little bit like a perfect storm because you have, and maybe this is the time to kind of talk about short selling because you know the the folks who were investing in on Reddit in the idea of GameStop found out that Merlin Capital and some of these other folks had short sells on it because what they noticed was that there was a larger amount of stock being sold than I think existed is the way that I heard it explained by Pete the planner a great financial planner good friend of mine Uh, and so they wanted to drive up the price to put what is called a short squeeze right so can you explain what a
4: short is and what is a squeeze yeah. Um, by the way, what you were saying there, that just, um, kind of blew my mind a little bit. I did not realize that the clearinghouses had raised the capital requirements. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like if anyone wants to be really mad at somebody, we, we may need to look a, a little more closely at that. Cause I, I had not heard that yet until you just read that now. So that was interesting. Um, yeah. So what's happening right now? Uh, short squeeze. Um, so as I, as I said earlier, the, Um, there are Wall Street investors, this is mostly hedge funds, but there are individual investors who can do this too. um, They create a short position to bet that a stock is going to go down. And the way that works is they borrow shares, sell them, and then at the end of the contract period where they have to return the shares, whatever that may be, they have to buy the shares back and return them. And they are forced to buy them back. They cannot, it, there's no way to get out of it. So if the stock price goes down, they actually make a bunch of money off of that. Cause they, you know, say you buy GameStop for 20 bucks and then, or I mean, you sell it for 20 bucks and then you have to return it. So you buy it back. If it went down to 10, well, you just made a $10 profit minus a little fee that uh, you were, you would have to pay for borrowing the shares in the first place. Um, now GameStop and some of these other stocks we've been talking about as well, uh, that BlackBerry Nokia, Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, Tootsie Roll was in there, <laughs> um, all kinds of companies. Uh, these are all companies that have been heavily shorted. So, uh, GameStop, actually, I just saw, uh, I just saw this last night. Yesterday, GameStop was still, uh, still had 113% of GameStop's shares were shorted yesterday still as in more than 100% of, of game of their shares were betted to go down. Uh, so some of their shares were actually m- shorted multiple times over, like somebody borrowed shares and sold them so that they could buy them back, hopefully cheaper. And then whoever bought those, was also lending them out to be shorted by somebody else <laughs> so there it that's ridiculous um, that it, it, I mean it, if the market's gonna allow that to happen that's fine like that's fine like uh, um, I think there, there there could be a reason for that but that company needs to be in some severely bad shape for that to be happening uh, and you know we're talking about market stability market uh, uh, vulnerability, I would think that when you start shorting these same shares multiple times over, you're starting to get to a point where it certainly starts looking like this could make the market vulnerable. And maybe the SEC should spend some time looking at that instead of people on Reddit. But anyway, I'd rather they not because I'd rather the market just take care of things on its own. What's interesting about the short squeeze, so when a short squeeze happens, you're just trying to Uh, drive the price up, which hurts the shorts and helps the long-term holders of GameStop. The people like me up until about a month ago when I sold my shares, I held it for two or three years um, under the assumption that I could make money off the business itself, not off speculation. So a short squeeze helps those people because it gets the shorts to stop driving the price down um in my favorite short squeeze story and short squeezes are all great stories but um my favorite is 1923 that's how long this stuff has been going on piggly wiggly also a retail store (laughs) uh was heavily shorted by uh some wall street big shots and the owner of the company uh started buying up shares to try to squeeze them. He actually bought up per, personally bought up 98% of the shares out on the market. And he drove the price up from $39 to $124. <laughs> and these Wall Street bigwigs were going to lose a whole bunch of money on it. They actually convinced the New York Stock Exchange to extend their uh contracts and then they screwed over the owner of Piggly Wiggly. And that's why Piggly Wiggly did not become the next Walmart. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. So that this has been happening for a long time. And I think short squeezes are actually... Uh, I think short positions play a really good role in the market. They can help hold companies accountable that are poorly managed. If a company is heavily shorted, it the shareholders look at why it's being shorted. And then they look at the management and they say fix this or we're voting you out. We're voting you off the board. We're going to, you know, so the owners of the company can change the direction of the company. The shareholders can, if they don't like how it's being run and shorts help hold companies accountable for, for that. So there's a, there's a good role to be played by shorts in the market. There's also times though, like this, where a company gets excessively shorted when a, more than a hundred percent of shares are shorted. That's, that's kind of, that seems extreme. So the short squeeze is essentially other people in the market saying, holding them accountable, pushing back and saying, wait a second, this isn't right. We've gone too far to that extreme. We're going to push back. So, and now we're in, it's kind of, we go into price discovery, which is what the whole market did during COVID uh, about, what, uh, 10 months ago or so, where nobody really knows what this is actually worth. You have some people trying to push it really high in this direction, some people trying to push it really low in this other direction. And it's going to zigzag back and forth between those extremes until it consolidates into where the price should actually be. So that's exactly what we'll see happen here over the next few weeks, probably.
0: Should we buy Robinhood's explanation? Because I know that the CEO was less than impressive. And I will say this, as a person who has done high pressure interviews on television, radio, podcasts, wherever, you always end an interview and go, I wish I had said that. You know, I cautioned one member of our Facebook group like, hey, be careful about what he didn't say because you don't know. He may not be experienced at interviews and some of that stuff, but some of the Robin Hood explanation I've seen was contradicted by the CEO himself. Do you agree with that?
4: Uh, I do a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, And I do I do feel for him because it is really hard, especially to get on like CNN. And it's really easy to get into the weeds into discussing how the SEC regulates the transactions you make with clearinghouses. Uh, you're going to lose your audience really fast. So uh, he was using a lot of vague language and, and that made things unclear. He has said a few things that contradicted themselves. For example, he said in one interview and, and Jake Tapper called him out on this on CNN. He said, wait a second. You said in this other interview I was watching that you don't have a liquidity issue but then you said you needed more capital to give to the the clearing houses um so that is a, an example of a contradiction there he may have just misspoken uh but it 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 doesn't you know he did say two opposite yeah, things yeah it doesn't um, change the facts yeah so um and robin hood did raise uh money i i don't remember the figures off the top of my head robin hood did raise money um to uh, cover the capital requirements of the clearinghouses. They had to do that. Um, or at least they claim they had to do that. So that is probably a pretty good indication that they're correct and that they didn't, they weren't able to fulfill the capital requirements, which would make sense for why they would temporarily shut down purchasing of those shares. So I, I would say that's probably defendable. Um, where they lose me though is then over the over the last few days, they've also been limiting how many shares you can buy. Mm. So they, they allowed you to buy shares again, but then they limited how many. Mm. And I just question why they would have to do that if they already pulled in this capital and, um,
0: and, and, and if they're I-
4: resolving that issue, why are they still limiting how many shares you can buy? Um, it seems like maybe they still are trying to help you know, maintain market stability, that the motive isn't exclusively over the capital requirements, but they, they might be partially motivated by just maintaining market stability, either on behalf of their hedge fund owners or their hedge fund customers, mm. um, or the sec or the department of treasury or the fed twisting their arm possibly. And now that, that, and that
0: what seems to be the thing that has a lot of people outraged, will. will talk about in just a second but um well i had another question but uh yeah i guess you look at somebody's press release they've spent time thinking about that kind of stuff versus you know just being nervous on an interview on national television for the first time in front of jake tapper and who's
4: an extremely skilled interviewer and Um, and and it has a background in finance so he knows what he's talking about oh that's right you're not going to be able to sneak anything past him either
0: yeah, and Craig in the comments section here, um, you know, I saw a few news outlets on Wednesday saying it was a right-wing group pushing the GameStop stock. stock. Uh, now is the time to finish up talking about the overreactors, because I didn't know the detail that you've just given us over the last hour. But as I've tried to figure out what's going on, because it is so incredibly hard to find good information these days, you know, you tune into Facebook and Twitter and find something good to read. And then you tune into this Newsweek article that I'll read you in just a second. And you just go, can somebody tell me what's going on? Can somebody explain this? And is it kind of the, the days went on and they got their story out and you saw people parse that like it's sort of, you went, okay, this seems like a perfect storm that maybe this won't happen again, but there are certainly fundamental things with Robin hood and stash and other things that are changing. But like, you look at Dave Portnoy, who's driven a lot of this, got into a fight with the head of the Mets owner, and, you know, calling for jailings, and, like, it's his take, and then all of a sudden people parrot that, and then you've got the Trump people, and then you've got the media blaming Reddit and calling them white supremacist right-wing groups, you know, and it's just like... OK, everybody stop. <laughs> Let's just figure out what's going on. And then it it really feels kind of like a the, the Covington kid moment where everybody jumped to conclusions and then sort of embarrassed themselves. But nobody wants to admit that they were wrong and, and apologize for being wrong. You know, for Portnoy's part, because I've got friends, I mean, he did an interview. He did interviews on thursday with 25 different outlets from tucker carlson to wfan to fox and friends to the daily wire to yahoo to daily mail to fox business wall street journal sfgate.com like you know dave portnoy's business model at barstool sports is built on controversy it's the entire howard stern of the 90s model of let's be transgressive and fight the power and you know, this is wrong, and I'm going to gen up controversy so I can get attention for myself, so you see me and BarstoolSports.com on 25 news outlets on Thursday. And then everybody just goes, well, I hate the left-wing media, but I'm going to believe everything that guy says. And never, ever think about that maybe he has some vested interest in manipulating you too. Now, he has every right to, to you know, people accuse him of manipulating the stock market by his tweets and talking about markets and pushing people i have no problem with that it seems no different to me than what cnbc and fox business does you want to take your investing advice from dave portnoy that's your your right that's your choice i don't know if that's smart or not but that's that's america that's freedom right you know elon musk same thing uh you know and that that is you got to understand that a lot of these people who are calling for the most extreme things sometimes they have a vested interest and then you get you know and then you have the left wing media constantly picking fights with reddit because it serves their narrative of shutting down online commenting forums and and people working together and then you get the counter reaction to that which everything's about trump and they hate you and they, 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 right? It's the whole cathedral thing. It's always a they. It's this big, grand, vast conspiracy of leftists that are out to take advantage of you. When in reality, like, be mad at the SEC or NASDAQ or, like, existing rules instead of inventing some elitist populist conspiracy, which our buddy Josh Hammer at Newsweek has done. Our buddy, I say jokingly because I have no idea who he is. Um, This is how it starts. Like, just, I want you to think about framing, right? So when you're watching the media, framing is incredibly important. Before I give you a fact, I set the tone and mood for you. And then I give you the fact, so you then feel a certain way about that information. That is so much of what media does on both sides, but especially these days in right-wing media where you can't figure out what they actually stand for, Uh, other than this article perfectly encapsulating 2021 so far for the right um in the aftermath of the disgraceful january 6th riot at the u.s capitol the american ruling class has flexed its muscles like never before big tech oligarchs move in unison to kneecap upstart parlor a would-be twitter competitor and bam former president donald trump and scores of other conservatives simon and schuster and Josh Hawley uh, had his book canceled. I'll kind of paraphrase Joe Biden, in direct defiance of his campaign season vows to unify the country, oversaw a deeply divisive and ideological first week in office. Okay. Uh, and just this week, popular retail brokerage Robinhood took sever- severe measures to restrict trading of GameStop stock after a populist Reddit induced stock buying frenzy dramatically spiked the firm's share price and wreaked havoc for short selling hedge funds. One harkens back to the most paradigmatic of progressive mantras. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. Rahm Emanuel's rank opportunism is highly revealing, but the American ruling class seeks more than mere political opportunism. Instead, the ruling class seeks to uniform control over defining the contours of permissible opinion and tolerable belief, and it is willing to wield all available levers at its disposal in order to do so. But in order to achieve this goal, the ruling class, which is in the United States in the year 2021, is effectively coterminous with the elected political left and left-adjacent quasi-private appendages such as quote-unquote woke capital corporatists, Needs some extra assistance. The ruling class needs more tools in its arsenal than simple gatekeeping based on requisite diplomas and proper partisan affiliation. Uh, consider how, in every presidential election since two thousand the so he goes on to talk about how um, the Republicans in both the House and Senate did much the same. Uh, they saw unprefe- unprecedented proliferation of an there 's just a lot of words being mean towards the left here, okay, so like for this paragraph, and then there 's a paragraph about Russia gate and Russia bots and Stacey Abrams never formally conceded the two thousand eighteen and you know something about forty-three thousand vote difference, and then Silicon Valley oligarchs banned social media f- every, uh, f- from s- banned from social media. Everyone from the leader of the free world to the founder and CEO of My Pillow, everyone got banned by the Silicon Valley oligarchs. Harry, now finally consider how stock exchanges and trading brokerages this week halted trading, and appears as appears to be the case. Uh, s- you know, so basically. The, they're out to get you. They don't want you to even have a 401k, Douglas. And he ends with, the great irony of our current politics is that the very populism so decried by the ruling class is only buttressed by the very ruling class's censoriousness attempts to rig the game in its own favor. There is still time for elites to look in the mirror, take some deep breaths, and stop before it is too late. This seems to me to be completely like hyperbolic and barely true and yet most people that i am friends with on twitter and facebook and libertarian and conservative circles buy that hook line and sinker douglas harry are they out to get you
3: is this a secure line <laughs>
0: i mean douglas what i i sent you the article ahead of time and and you can go check it out josh hammer at newsweek I just find like the need to force the whole Trump narrative into GameStop and everything is about the cathedral is after you and the, you know, it's like when you're talking about bankers using, they are coming to get you is a little bit, uh, close to the line of anti semitism. to be honest. I'm not saying that's his intent, but, uh, you know, it's it, you just sort of, you go, maybe just take a beat. Like what was your reaction to that
4: article? Douglas, oh, I wasn't sure who you were asking. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. Well, I mean, immediately in the first paragraph, I, I was like, okay, we know exactly where this guy's coming from because the first thing he did was was defend Trump and Holly, and uh, from the elite. And I'm like, if, if you don't think they're part of the corporate political elite, that's your first problem right there. Right. Is you're you're missing the entire picture, and you're looking at this as a left versus right thing um, purely. I mean, because Trump. Is part of the elite. This is a billionaire who is, ran for the highest political office in the country. Go look at his. He's his, part of the elite. Go look at this. So West. Yeah, yeah,
0: like uh, Josh Hawley went to like Oxford. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Trump Westchester home. Like, look at this dude's home that is under investigation currently. I mean, it's like this. Uh, this this is
3: his actual uh, website here. Outsider, you know, completely bucking yeah. The system.
0: Yeah, know. like look at this. Look at the size of this place. Like nothing says "man of the people" like like. He this. only has
3: two pools. See, complete right. outsider. See? Two pools with a pool house with yeah. a pool.
0: This boy. guy's not
4: about power to the people. He, it, 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 you know, the accusation that he was attempting a coup. This is exactly the kind of person who attempts a coup. <laughs> My you know, is bigger so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I guess I I just look at it and go, all right, because so much of this, right, like take the media stuff, right? The media is biased towards the left. Like Andrew Cuomo, I mean the report out this week from the attorney general in New York, a Democrat, who put out this report against a politician who is, um, I would, everyone go listen to the newest commentary podcast about Andrew Cuomo because they're New Yorkers, then they'll give you all the insight on all this stuff. But like, this guy is a vicious, vicious politician and human being, and especially towards people in his own party. And this attorney general put out this report that Andrew Cuomo was covering up the fact that he put people back in nursing homes, with, which killed a tremendous amount of people in New York. Mm-hmm. And yet you turn on the news and Andrew Cuomo is celebrated with his book deal, while Josh Holly's is being canceled, right? You, you know, you look at the the different rules for the left and the right. There's obviously a bias on the left, right? But where do you hop off on that train before it gets to this to Alex Jones Town, which what Alex Jones believes is that there is a ruling elite that is basically going to, and he finally let it out that he thinks they're space aliens and like, all this stuff on Rogan's podcast. But basically, the gist is that the ruling elite, the Bill Gateses of the world, want a neo-feudal state. So they want to control the population, kill as many people, and and just put people into a neo-feudal state where you are a slave to creating wealth for them, right? And you, it's you know and then you also have like the replacement theory from from white supremacists where they will come in and replace you and your children and they you know like Ryan Savedra who works for the Blaze like flat out used replacement theory in a tweet this week like they're not even hiding that that is being mainstreamed at this point so if you've talked about cultural marxism and how that's dangerous go look up replacement theory and see how much that kind of falls in line with some of this stuff it's it's it, so i guess my point is I don't know where like the ruling elite is trying to screw you line is, because it seems like he is just feeding it and he's being populist and he's make he's being nonsensical, but like you can look at the SEC and go well that's probably the ruling elite right, so like for for both of you, either one of you, where's that line between conspiratorial and wacky and this is a problem we need to if we're going to try and disrupt power, we need to understand how power works.
3: I think my line comes to like the Watergate line. Um, how many people have to be in this conspiracy before too many people will just leak leak the crap out? I'm sorry. like No, you know, nobody can really keep secrets. People leak things out. You know, I think it only took about a month to find out that, you know, Mittens really doesn't like uh, muffins. So right. No one can really keep secrets.
0: <laughs> yeah, so if if Janet Yellen and Joe Biden and all these people are, are calling GameStop and Robinhood on the phone, like eventually that stuff comes out is what you're saying?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it will eventually come off. So somebody who heard that will leak that information or just the same thing that happened with Chelsea Manning. Like, look what I did and popped up off the mouth on the Reddit board. And that's how you get found out. Someone will find off something out. Like, it is amazing to me that no one still can find out the creator of Bitcoin. You know, so I I conspire to the conspiracy theory that the person who probably made Bitcoin died of cancer and it's just out. They're out because
0: nobody. Can't. And that that's a, such a key. Uh, like human nature plays into this. People love to brag.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Like if you have something that's billions and billions dollar uh, of a of a market cap now, yeah, I'm Satoshi. I mean, Douglas, yeah. where's that line for you when you read this kind of stuff?
4: I'm I'm going to make myself really unpopular in in the uh, we are libertarians community here because I'm I'm going to say um, I, the Fed is often made into the boogeyman in these kind of situations. Um, oh, he's taking he's taking blue Fed, pills,
0: Harry. He's taking blue pills.
4: Okay, I know, pills. <laughs> I know. No, the Fed is. Um, I mean, the Fed has a very clearly written, uh, you know mission that is given to it by Congress uh, that is to uh, keep inflation at a certain target and keep unemployment at a certain target. And they've realized, especially in the 2008 financial crisis, that financial stability plays a role in that. You can go back and you can read uh, Too Big to Fail by Andrew Ross Sorkin, and you can see everything that happened behind the scenes in 2008 to try to stabilize the market. They they came out and said, here's I mean, they just told journalists and, and authors, here's what here's all literally the conversations we said word for word with each other about everything. So it, there wasn't a lot of secrecy. It, I mean, there so, some things were, were kept quiet for a certain amount of time while it was happening so that they could organize it and stabilize the market. But ultimately, they just came out and said, all right, here's everything we did. So there, there wasn't a whole lot of secrecy. I, of course, disagree with tons of things that the Fed does. And I mean, you can read my criticisms on Twitter all the time. Um, I've, I've been on Janet Yellen for many years. But um, these people are really smart and they're really focused on market stability. And that's probably, you know, if they're doing anything about this right now, it's just focusing on the market stability part, which would be contacting brokers and saying, do you have enough capital to cover this? If you don't, you need to shut down trading. That would be the kind of thing that might be happening behind the scenes mm-hmm. because they just want to make sure that you're not going to have a too big to fail situation where a firm that has a, a large amount of, of investment um, is holding a lot of securities or is involved in a lot of financial transactions is no longer able to cover them because that's where you can have like some kind of cascading effect where multiple firms run into a bad situation. That's what happened in 2008. Right. So, if if the Fed's playing any role in this, that's probably it. And if Janet Yellen's doing anything about this, that's probably it. So uh that that's about what I what I could say about that. Um in terms of like the elite and and all that kind of stuff, uh, so Josh Hammer is really just making a, a right wing argument here about why this, you know, is bad. There's people I, I forget who it was. Somebody on CNN had Napa the other day saying, "Oh, this is Trump's America that's behind this." They're all wrong. It, they're all trying to t- take this political or this uh, this this financial thing and make it political when it's really not political. Uh, short squeezes have been happening for a hundred years and, and there's nothing really that unique about them. They're just fun to watch. Uh, but this isn't unusual. It's not a perfect storm. It's not a threat to the financial system. This is a story that's happened time and time again. This happened last year with Tesla. There was a short squeeze last year with Tesla uh, a a year ago this week. It might've been a year ago today. It was today the 30th. Yeah. I think it was like January 29th last year was uh, the tesla short squeeze kind of peaking so this happens all the time it's really not that unusual this one's just got more attention and um people are trying to politicize it but this really is nothing nothing new nothing unusual it's not an indication of anything about the politics of the country or the direction of things or anybody's agenda there's just it's just something that happens in the market
0: yeah uh, claw says i miss trump And, you know, I think there's some some bit of that to this where everybody's a little bored and, you know, the billionaire who was just obscene basically saying, well, you give all these kids six hundred dollars and they're meddling in our markets now. And this is for me, not for you. Like there is some truth to that. You send everybody these six hundred dollar checks. And so there's more money than people really know what to do with. So, like, I've paid off a ton of debt, like. All right. Well, now I've got a little extra hundred bucks to throw into the markets. Like, of course, there's going to be part of that. But I also just think that the whole overreaction to some of this stuff is that people have, he has been the North Star for media, both left and right, for so long that it is hard for people to figure out what to do next. How do we talk about an administration that's fairly boring and conventional after the last five, six years, right? Like, and so now that whole Trumpism, era is being imposed on what is a fairly interesting story, but maybe not as existential as people kind of made it out to be Uh because they're just still stuck in that pro or anti-Trump lane. So um I, I think for me, the line on some of this stuff is, you know, I've worked around government and in not in government, but as a reporter or in media, uh, you know, in politics with the libertarian party, like, Government is not omnipotent. It is not the state. Read Randolph Bourne and government versus the state, because there's a difference. State is the state is a force that gives people meaning. It is uh you know, it is all powerful, it is ceremonial, to, to get it's almost quasi religious versus the government where it's just a bunch of people going to work on, you know, collecting government paychecks and making bad decisions. You know, and so Having been around government, it's way more like Veep and Parks and Rec than it is the Blacklist and uh what's the Kevin Space House of Cards, right? Like government is typically incompetent and it's the Hayek knowledge problem. These people don't have enough information to make the right choices, and so central planning fails. It's not some evil secret cabal of people that are trying to take over the world. It's just a bunch of people networking together making the wrong choices because they're fallible humans and if you let market forces take place and innovation happen it'll it'll change things for the better right and there will be mistakes along the way robin hood is changing the the investing industry for the better but there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be controversies along the way but eventually it all gets worked out but we have to take a break so we
4: can come back douglas any final words on this Um, I I, I guess, um, you know, this is all fun and all, but, um, let's, uh, remember, uh, that speculation is not what the stock market's really about. It's really about investing. And I think everybody should think about, uh, if they can do more to invest and to take advantage of the money that can be made there in, in the, in the correct way, you know, with, you know, like what you do with just holding ETFs. So you can get a share of the money that's being made in the market. So th- that's um, that's something I think people should really take out of this is like the speculation thing is fun to watch and all. But let's remember that the stock market is a tool for making you a lot of money and preparing you to have a really good quality of life when you're older because of the the power of compounding annual returns and, and building wealth so that you can live off of it uh, and not have to work every day. You can have passive income. The stock market is the most powerful tool in the world for doing that. And especially with things like Robinhood and the other companies that are now chasing Robinhood down the the free transaction situation, this is now accessible to everybody. Anybody can get on their phone, set up an E-Trade account, throw a hundred bucks in there and get into the market. You don't have to be, you don't have to have tens of thousands of dollars anymore. And this is an amazing thing. But I think uh, most... Fifty percent of Americans still are not taking it, it taking advantage of it, and um, they should be.
0: So, uh, so before you go, F U R B Junior, it's challenging you. Who is to say that what is correct? I mean, I don't like what Douglas is implying. I would say, like, just experience, right? Like, if you're putting, if you're investing your money in ETFs and taking it slow and, and playing the long game. That's way better financially for you than speculation, right? He's not saying that it's not wrong. You can speculate all you
4: want, but just don't make that your strategy, right? Like... Yeah, have fun money. Uh, have have your mad money. Um, you know, in the market that you play around with and, and do something that's silly. Um, I know so many people who do that. They're like, oh, I, you know, yeah, I, I have a share of Tesla because it's fun and I like what they do and I think it's cool. But I, it might make money. It might not. That's great. And then, but make sure you also have, you know, your your core investment fund that might just be in an S&P 500 index fund or something very basic like that or it might be in a small um you know in a, in a couple of stocks of good quality companies that you want to hold for a long time that you think will make you a lot of money so it's it, it like speculation is fine and and any of this stuff like sure go go do that with a little bit of your money if you feel like it if it, if it's fun um, just like you do a bracket pool in March, and and you throw a couple bucks in, and you see if you win, and, and it, it's just fun, right? So um, that's fine. But I, I think we should all just remember that the, that the most powerful thing about the stock market is that it's a tool we can all use and to improve our quality of life over the long term. And I think a lot of people forget about that, or just just don't really think about that, and don't use it that way, and it's a shame. All right, Douglas, thank you so much for being here. If people want to follow you, what's your Twitter? Uh, it's at Gaking Music on Twitter. So G-A-K-I-N-G Music. That's probably the easiest way to follow me.
0: All right, cool. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. All right, thanks for uh, joining us here on the Chris Spangle Show. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's executive orders. Harry will still be here. I will still be here. And make sure you support us on Wall Plus. Join Welcome back to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle. It is so great to have you here with us today again. Here with me is Harry. Great discussion about all that, Harry. I I understand it a lot better. I I sort of felt a little lost on a lot of the the GameStop stuff, and it was nice of him to to help us with that. I mean. Uh, you always talk about the open internet and how important the open internet is. And this is one of the beautiful things is that, you you know, people can get involved and do cool things that, I, I mean, 20 years ago, I never would have thought I could do what I'm doing on Stash, which is save money, right? Like, and invest in an IRA because calling someone on the phone seems really hard. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you can actually go, you know still go to these people. I go and see mine. I actually have appointments with my banker. You know, you can go do these things. This a, these aren't just tools for like the ultra elite rich people. Do you, you have a,
0: mo- does he have a monocle, your banker?
3: Uh, she does not have a monocle. <laughs> she does not. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. She doesn't do that. You know, she's just trying to make sure I'm doing okay. And, uh, um, and check over my finances and make sure like, yeah, you, know, you know, and got me to diverse, so I don't go all. You know, she makes sure I don't go complete Ron Swanson and just bury gold all around. You know, go <laughs> William Devane,
0: my gold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so this I don't want this to be too long because we really only have about forty minutes. But uh, you know, Harry, I don't know you. You're not really on social media much, and I, I'm really starting to curb my habit because. What do I read on social media, on Facebook and Twitter specifically? Twitter, I find a lot of interesting stuff. But, like, what do I read on Facebook that's actually intelligent? I don't know anymore.
3: Uh, you're, you're not on it much anymore, are you? No. Like, I just booted up uh, Facebook here on the other screen once we started the stream. And I'm noticing, like, I've got tons of messages in there from people. And, and it just says 999 plus notifications. I was like, well, I'm never going through that. Read, Mark all as read. Next.
0: Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I do. Like, I'll show you here. Uh, So here is my experience with Facebook anymore. And this is the piece. This is Chris Spengel's guide to a peaceful life. Okay, so you go to Facebook. I've got all my little tabs here. You go to Facebook. And then it loads up. And then you go to the little bell up at the top right. You click expand. You go mark all as read. Mm -hmm. And then you close the tab. (laughs) And and then you move on with your day. Um, But, you know, what I keep seeing when I do get on is this, uh, like, this count of Joe Biden's 42 executive orders in his first week and one for Trump and two for Obama and three for Bush. And, like, I guess when you can't really deal with you don't want to learn about what's in them because you just reflexively hate them, or you don't want to admit that these are just overturning a lot of what Trump did, and then you would have to admit that Trump used executive orders. You just decry the number of them. We don't focus on the substance. We just focus on the existence. Let's find the cheap political thing to be mad about.
3: Right. Or obsess over the number 42, you know, choose what you want to obsess over. Right. Yeah. And so
0: I'm not going to give. I mean, I'm anti-executive order and I'm going to let the New York Times explain why, weirdly, but I want people to understand what these executive orders are. So we'll, we'll kind of skim through these just so people hear what the executive orders have been. We have a great show next week that uh, we will hopefully do on the minimum wage. Great notes by Sam Schultz and, and a little more on the uh, $1.9 trillion proposal by joe biden just the GameStop stuff is what everybody's talking about so we wanted to talk about that this week but i I want to just kind of skim the executive orders and we'll put a link uh, to the executive orders uh and i'm reading off of basically a a summary by cnn politics on these so you know you're going to get uh an accurate reporting of the Biden administration from CNN, <laughs> maybe not the Trump <laughs> administration, uh, but so just to kind of they they've done a good job of really breaking it down, so it's it's easy for our listeners and Harry and I to understand. So we're just kind of breeze through these. So on healthcare, he signed an executive order on strengthening Medicaid and the Affordable Care Act. It reopens enrollment on healthcare.gov from February fifteenth through May fifteenth and directs all federal agencies to re-examine policies that may reduce or undermine access to the Affordable Care Act. Uh, And so Donald Trump basically broke the exchanges through executive order, and this is kind of reverting back to where the Obamacare law had set it. Uh, Memorandum on Protecting Women's Health. Uh, And anytime you want to jump in, Harry, to, to give some analysis, please do. Um, Just shout at me. Memorandum on protecting women's health at home and abroad rescinds the Mexico City policy, a ban on U.S. government funding for foreign nonprofits that perform or promote abortions. I heard on a podcast that this particular one is every time a Republican goes in, they put it back, and then when a Democrat comes in, they take it out. So this is kind of a ping-pong-y thing. Yeah, the the ping-pong thing. Yeah, on environment, an executive order on tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad. It seeks to cement the climate crisis at the center of U.S. foreign policy and national security. Most notably, it directs the Secretary of the Interior to pause on entering new oil and natural gas leases on public lands or offshore waters. This is reverting uh, a Trump executive order, and Trump, I mean— So there's two ways to look at this. I mean, because we are we are self-sufficient in terms of oil because of fracking and because of uh, jumping into our reserves. And obviously oil reserves are good. But as our oil reserves necessary as GM this now uh, announced this week that in basically 10 years, they're going all electric. Did you
3: see that? Yeah, I saw that. Which is a, a pipe dream, and they'll keep pushing that down the line. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> okay, That ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, one, unless there is some massive, massive leap in battery technology or supercapacitors, which a lot of people, I think um, Escalaja uh, was talking about that last night, at Liberty and Chill. Unless something like that happens, that ain't happen. It's a freaking. It's a freaking pipe dream. Um, because it's just. It's just not there, and it, even having the cars to be affordable for other people, that's also not there. You know, if they can have all right, but the other thing with it, if if one thing that this uh, COVID has has taught anyone, right, is that interruption in the model of on, on how things get disturbed, you just it cascades down the line. So the idea that you want to move to something else without actually having that in place to be able to do that. No, nah, that's just you're 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 actually screwing someone over in like ten to twenty years when something dries up or a price gets spiked. You know? Yeah, it'd be different if like, hey, hey, we're gonna start doing this because we are, you know, breaking ground on several brand new nuclear power plants. That's that's great. That's awesome. It's gonna take ten to twenty years to get these built. Yeah, that's not what's happening. Yeah, they're they're still doing on the the unicorn farts of uh, not spicy solar energy and wind power. (laughs) Sorry, I I think solar is Is great, but really spicy solar. They made you angry there. No, it's just no. Just the solar people make me upset. You know, because like, sure, you could. You know, they want to do solar, but I want to do spicy solar. It's called nuclear power. It's better there. It's better.
0: So the order also instructs Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines to prepare a national intelligence estimate on the security implications of the climate crisis and directs all agencies to develop strategies for integrating climate considerations into their international work. Establishes the National Climate Task Force, assembling leaders from across 21 federal agencies and departments. Commits to environmental justice and new clean infrastructure projects. Kicks off development of emissions and reduction target. And establishes the Special Presidential Envoy for Climate on the National Security Council, which I think is John Kerry. Uh, Executive Order on Establishing the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology reestablishes the president's council of advisors on science and technology trump had gotten rid of that uh and uh lost my place uh moving forward the council will advise biden on policy that affects science technology and innovation a memorandum on restoring trust in government <laughs> through scientific integrity and evidence-based policy making Uh, Charges the Director of Office of Science and Technology Policy with responsibility for ensuring scientific integrity across federal agencies. Agencies that oversee or direct or fund research are tasked with designating senior agency employees as chief science officers to ensure agency research programs are scientifically and technologically well-founded. Both of these seem to have very little teeth other than we're restoring some meetings and we're going to make sure that we follow the science. Like, uh, I'm. what's your take on that?
3: Yeah, it just seems like th- this will look good on paper and, and looks so my uh, everyone underneath me ballot down can campaign. Look, we got rid of the non-science people. Now we're back on science again. Science, 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 science. Right. But it's like, cool, if you're about the science, then you understand that having cars go really slow on highways and having traffic is actually bad for climate allowing them to go faster and you know spread out that's that's better right because more cars can be more efficient
0: harry price speeds. is pro speeding
3: that's what i just heard I, cars are more efficient my rotary does is more efficient at higher speeds than it is at 20
0: uh, we rejoined the paris climate accord the landmark international agreement signed in 2015 to limit global warming why are you giving the thumbs down
3: Boo boo, because like America's better than everywhere else. On earth. <laughs> okay, well that's a reason I guess. Everyone sucks, and the only person that could probably like look down on anyone else is France. But they're bullcrappers anyways. They already have nuclear power, so they're kind of like, ha ha. You guys need to get with the game and get your get your CO two emissions down. Cool. Can we have a nuclear power plant? No. We'll go f yourself, France. F yourself.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. An executive order on protecting public health and the environment and restoring science to tackle the climate crisis cancels the Keystone XL pipeline and directs agencies to review and reverse more than 100 Trump actions on the environment. Uh, the canceling of the Keystone pipeline project puts a lot of people out of work, and uh, but on the flip side, it stops... A digging project through indigenous land, where and and a lot of eminent domain. So, yep, don't want to get rid of those jobs, but at the same time, we're not for eminent domain
3: as libertarians, are we, Harry? Correct, not for eminent domain. But I'm also realizing, but you have to realize the pipeline is better for the environment than putting it on a gigantic bus or trucker and trucking it in or training it in. So. Wow. it's a so either you so they're for the environment but now not for the environment Well, but th- it's this, like come on come there's on. a
0: great new documentary about Thomas Sowell by the free to choose network go look up free to choose in your podcast app or on YouTube and you'll see the documentary there but you know Thomas Sowell always talked about trade-offs and and mm-hmm. the keystone pipeline is one of those things where you know Obama denied wouldn't let it happen you you remember the uh standing rock face-offs mm-hmm. yeah. around all this, you know, back under Obama. And then Trump put it back in place, started the pipeline, and now he's canceling it. And this is a great example of why you don't do things through executive order. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it, it can be canceled and it's flip-flopping, and I'm sure everybody who was in those 3,000 workers that would be laid off are, are going, yeah, I'll go work somewhere else, or I've got my resume out. Like, you know, but it's trade-offs, right? Because every action that the government takes isn't black or white always it's trade-offs and often you can't see the trade-offs and so you can green light this project and you (coughs) excuse me get the benefits of not having oil tanks and polluting the air as they drive up and down you know the mississippi or you have the trade-off of stealing people's land (laughs) to to not have that climate increase like what's the right answer and that's what what a lot of uh, that's what institutions and what government are all about is like determining those trade-offs and coming to an agreement and mitigating the people who've who've had their rights taken.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, so I, I don't have an answer on it. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know enough about the Keystone pipeline to give you a definitive answer. I just, the more I read about it, I just think about Thomas Sowell's trade-offs and where's the, what's, what's the right thing to do. And, you know, if If I were President, I would say my involvement is not the right thing to to do so um right, yeah. equity uh an executive order on advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities throughout the federal government rescinds the trump administration's seventeen seventy six commission and directs agencies to review their actions to ensure racial equality uh now here listen uh. i've seen conservatives complaining and and here's the you're, stuff like this one right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions <laughs> like if you didn't want any of this stuff to happen then that the, why was he governing by executive order he had 200 and some executive orders just like barack obama did uh he was uh he was he could have he came into the presidency with all three uh the, the house the senate and the presidency, and arguably the the you know got the the third branch, the judicial branch, mm-hmm. and then, in two thousand and twenty he lost the presidency and it 's like when I see Republicans complaining about Biden and his executive orders, and especially something like this that like just remove something that he proactive that Trump proactively did via executive order, mm-hmm. the federal government should not be involved in history and what is history or not, just plain and simple, right. Uh, and his proactive action is being rescinded now. Well, then you should have won the election. And if you don't like that this can be removed by Joe Biden in week one, then don't do it by executive order. Do it through Congress. Work to fix that branch. So it's just sort of like you tell that to Republicans and it's like, you know, Dumb and Dumber, with they got their fingers in the ear and they're going la 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 la, like they don't they don't want to listen. You you had a right. chance to have a massive victory with Donald Trump because the economy was so good, mm-hmm. and then everybody dropped the ball and they continued to drop the ball. So, right. I just sort of look at it and I go.
3: Ugh. Yeah. Uh, or do it through policy through a, a three letter agency like, oh, we're going to do this. Through the, you know, the Department of Education. Cool. New Department of Education. Well
0: the, <laughs> well, the point of it, the executive branch is that they execute the, the laws passed by the the, the uh, excuse me, the legislative branch. Mm-hmm. So the alphabet soup is there to, in, in, you know, enact the laws. So not really the executive uh, orders. So I kind of take issue with
3: what you just said. No, because I have a problem with that because it usually depends on the head and how they want to enforce the rule, like the ATF. They're just like, well, this is how we're going to enforce the rules today. This is how we're going to make up and do this today. Whoever's the head of the ATF, this is what they're going to do. Yeah. And because there's no, like, set laws. They've got laws on different things, but when it comes down to it, it's how the ATF wants to apply the rules. It's how DOT wants to apply the rules. That's the issue.
0: Executive order on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation prevents workplace discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, let's see. Uh, one got cut off. Uh, it, this doesn't make it clear in the article, but I believe that's just within the federal government. Is it not?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's one where it does that one, because those a lot of those rules are already in place on um what is it the not EEOC what is it the um fair housing um yeah there's like hiring standards those rules were mostly are, are, are in place I think that's just more of a r- referendum I think and that one actually is it for um because I think it once we got lumped into because it sounds good because of the military one
0: mm. yeah um, there's also one, uh, basically reviewing policy throughout the federal government of bias towards Asian Americans due to COVID, uh, an executive order in reforming our incarceration system to eliminate the use of privately operated criminal detention facilities. Uh, I'm in for, in favor of getting rid of private prison facilities. Go back and listen to Rachel's story that was posted in the feed about six months ago. You'll hear why. Um, but this is just for the federal level. It's not for state. The federal these executive orders really only apply to the federal government. So everybody gets a bit out of shape about, you know, trans rights, but a lot of or, or you know, we're protecting, uh, quote unquote, protecting agents. Well, it's just reviewing policy. And a lot of this is grandstanding by Joe Biden to look like he's being active right sleepy joe biden is trying to use executive orders to appear a certain way to communities to press to the press to his supporters and a little bit to inflame the other side so they start criticizing him so he has some credibility uh in my opinion so a lot of this is not relevant to your life but you'll see people losing their minds over some of the more uh, specifically the racial stuff where everybody gets really mad about racial stuff harry
3: Yeah, it's it's a very sensitive topic, and it makes people uncomfortable. So,
0: Um, let's see. Executive blah 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 memorandum on redressing our nation's and the federal government's history of discriminatory housing practices and policies directs the Department of Housing and Urban Development to review the Trump administration's regulatory actions for their effects on fair housing, and then to take the steps necessary to comply with the Fair Housing Act and i swear i'd written a note down and i completely forgot but like the trump administration did something fairly egregious uh in allowing discrimination in housing and this is reversing that um but man i wish I, i'm so sorry i don't don't have it right on the tip of my tongue um, Memorandum on tribal consultation and strengthening nation to nation relationships recommits the federal agencies to engage in regular, robust, and meaningful consultation with tribal governments. An executive order on enabling all qualified Americans to serve their country in uniform reverses the Trump administration's ban on transgender Americans joining the military. Um, I'd like to get you know, I'm I've not been in the military, neither have you. Great. I should text our military buddy and, like, get their opinion on that, you know, and, I mean, and see what they, they actually think about that. But I know that we, I talked to him about it previously. and He was kind of like, I don't really care. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> all, all of these are great red meat for both sides of the culture war to, to get ticked off and fight. But in reality, there's very little policy that took place in any one of these executive orders.
3: For most people, I, I do talk to like we're in the military. When you ask them about the trans thing, it's just like, can you do the job? That's all that matters. Yeah, can and you do I, the job?
0: I wonder how many people. I mean, is that like fifty people? <laughs> is that yes. ten
3: thousand? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the what's the actual number? Um, like percentage of trans people in the military, or just trans people? Period in the military. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be a, probably a roughly like 100 people at the most if you give them, especially if you just think about like the percentage of the population, which is trans, then you cut that again for people who actually go into like active military or just the reserves. Yeah, so yeah
0: uh the economy executive order on ensuring the future is made in all of america by all of america's workers strengthens by american rules by closing loopholes and reducing waivers granted on federal purchases of domestic goods so this is directing the federal government's purchasing to buy american to uh select american products first uh executive order on protecting the federal workforce, this restores collective bargaining power and worker protections for federal workers and lays the foundations for a $15 minimum wage. So basically, the minimum wage for federal workers has been increased to $15. As head of the federal workforce, Joe Biden has every uh, every right to do that as president he he is the boss of federal workers, but it is a, a bit of a Trojan horse for the $15 minimum wage, which we'll talk about next week, and restores collective bargaining power. Collective bargaining, Harry, wh- is basically a group of government employees holding hostage taxpayers, mm-hmm. uh, and so the Trump administration was right to, to break that, and I don't like that it's been restored, but... Again, he won, and that's how it is. And, uh, you know, executive order on economic relief related to the COVID-19 pandemic calls for assistance to those who are struggling to buy food, missed out on stimulus checks, or are unemployed. Um, I don't know a lot of details about that uh, other than just what it says. Um, Pausing federal student loan payments extends the existing pause on student loan payments and interest for Americans with federal student loans until at least September 30th. So... You can uh, just forget about paying your student loans. This is is an extension of one of Donald Trump's executive orders, by the way. If I don't have a
3: student loan, can I get that applied to like a mortgage?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Extended eviction and foreclosure moratoriums. Extend the existing nationwide moratorium on evictions and foreclosures until at least March 31st. The problem with pausing student loan payments and telling people that they can't get evicted and they don't have to pay. Now, here's the 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 shape of the crisis is that one in every 10, uh, according to the Biden administration, one in every four renters and one in every 10 homeowners has missed at least one payment mm-hmm. in 2020 for for everything. And so right. there's obviously a huge, huge issue with. Mm -hmm. payment but if you put a total moratorium on it for months and people don't pay when you lift that you have you have created a bubble and so now you saw the story that if this didn't get signed nine million people would be out of a home in you know so those those well you just delayed the inevitable so it's not, it makes people feel good that they are doing something, but in reality, they're giving people false hope because you will eventually be evicted if you don't pay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Anything else here?
3: It's the reason why, like, some people are like, you have this extra house. Why have you not rented it out yet or sold it? It's like, well, I could sell it. I could easily sell it. I could probably make a lot of money selling it. Right. Because you have two homes. You're very wealthy, out. right? Yeah. My goal is to rent it out and. Since I, you know, I know I get a renter and I can't evict them right now. It's like, wow, I'm not renting to nobody. Everybody let that house sit empty, <laughs> use it as a big storage unit right now, and that's what I've been doing, using the storage unit, buying pieces to buy another house because I'm one of those awful people that are banking on once the housing foreclosure happens that I'm going to start buying up more properties.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. why we're waiting to buy a house. It- You know, there's rumor of a $15,000 tax credit and there will be foreclosures at some point. Uh, So, uh, COVID-19 executive orders, a proclamation on the suspension of entry as immigrants and non-immigrants of certain additional persons who pose a risk of transmitting coronavirus disease. So, this reinstates COVID travel restrictions. So, this is a Biden travel ban, by the way. Reinstates travel restrictions for individuals traveling to the U.S. from Brazil, the Schengen area, the United Kingdom, Ireland, and South Africa. Now, this is because of the new strain of coronavirus popping up in those locations and this is completely useless. There's absolutely no reason for these travel bans. First, just the basic principle that the government cannot restrict free movement. But secondly, it's here. It's already here. And if it's as highly viral, it's 80% more viral. This is completely stupid, idiotic, and just grandstanding. It will do absolutely
3: nothing. It'll feel good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Moratorium to extend federal support to governor's use of the National Guard to respond to COVID-19 and increase reimbursement and other assistance to provide to states directs the federal government, basically FEMA, to expand reimbursement to states to fully cover the cost for National Guard personnel and emergency supplies. Now, uh, I don't know all the details of this story, but if the federal government is mandating that the National Guard be deployed to certain areas, uh, then the federal government should have to pay states and localities and private businesses under basically the principle of what's called takings the government forces you to do something they they have to give you money for the house that they took through eminent domain uh so
3: yep uh any go ahead oh yeah i'm just saying yeah because i've talked to a lot of people here in indianapolis is getting ready to get a lot of their property taken up from ice the i-69 project which it helps me now that i live out of indy but watching all my friends getting their backyards destroyed right now because of the i69 project. no way. yay. Yeah. uh uh
0: executive order on a sustainable public health supply chain accelerates manufacturing and delivery of supplies for vaccination, testing and personal protective equipment. uh b- 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 it's and to help expand testing capacity i'm missing something here uh yeah i i like just do whatever you need to do to get out of the way to make sure the vaccine can get out there that people can take it that we can get the economy restarted that like in indiana for instance 200,000 people have been vaccinated so far there's uh across the nation vaccinations are well outpacing new cases and we're seeing in indiana a huge drop in cases Mm -hmm. uh and you know by may with the the purchase by the federal government to to get these vaccines purchased in the hands of every american essentially like that's the quickest way to get the economy restarted so you know whatever they can do to get out of the way and let us get back to to normal (laughs) whatever that looks like uh do it that's not happening. They're going
3: to get in the way. They're going to get in the way. That's what they do.
0: But this particular one, I, I mean, it's very generic. So who knows what that means? Now, I know that they – he. so do you remember when he was uh, – everybody was – ticked off at donald trump for not enacting the national production act essentially to get ventilators out which basically means the federal government can come over come into gm and take over one of their manufacturing factories to man and make them manufacture mm-hmm. uh you know completely unnecessary it was totally unnecessary a year ago uh when we were in the midst of like the worst part of the crisis and nobody knew anything and nobody knew what was going on and you know Everybody just sort of went, it's just sort of unnecessary. Well, Joe Biden said, it it is necessary. We're going to use it. And so we obviously wholeheartedly oppose that because if GM wants to make, if GM sees financial interest in making ventilators or producing PPE, I I, I guess I don't understand the need. It's it's really like grandstanding. Like I haven't seen any news. I follow the news super closely. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anybody really saying like, hey, we're out of things like we were seeing six nine months ago correct you know i mean the the marketplace the market provided people have you know my mom that are in who was reusing the same n95 over and over and over that's not happening anymore like ppe is still sparse but how is centrally planning the rollout of n95 masks going to make that better right financial incentive for n95 makers like 3m is a much better motivator than force
3: correct yeah, because like, just think about it. Like, in the big, you know, the height of the pandemic, you could even find any like uh, hand sanitizer or mask, and now look at it. You're, you're they're tripping. You're tripping over hand sanitizer now, <laughs> right? And I'm going to miss hand hand sanitizer smelling like whiskey when it goes back to being like that perfume. Me off the cuff crap. I'm gonna really miss it smelling whiskey. <laughs> well, did you hear the interview I did with Mary Ruert on the non-aggression principle that
0: we talked about the FDA and they were forcing all of these uh, whiskey folks they just stopped making it because the FDA came to all these distillers and said you need to put this poison so people won't drink your sanitizer because alcoholics drink hand sanitizer or used to 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 like because they weren't allowed to buy booze for whatever reason uh, well their alcoholism and so there's poison in hand sanitizer for that reason so like prisoners for instance won't drink it and so they, they were like, hey, you have to put this in here so people won't drink it. Well, the, the distillers were like, y- you can never get this out of the machines. Right. You completely shut down
3: our business. And so they just stopped making hand sanitizers because of the FDA. And that compounds because then that's why you can't have hand sanitizer in um, – uh- Uh, like childcare facilities because of that reason. So like this height is this pandemic and you want hand sanitizer everywhere, but you can't have it in the, in the freaking preschool or the daycare center because there's freaking poison in it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Executive order on improving and expanding access to care and treatments for COVID-19 establishes a preclinical program to boost development of therapeutics in response, uh, which speeding up the timeline to all right, good. Thank you. Uh, executive order on ensuring a data-driven response to COVID-19 and a future high-consequence public health threats enhances the nature of its collection production sharing and analysis of coronavirus data Uh, the Trump administration was absolutely horrible in trying to centralize the COVID data take it away from the CDC which had multiple reporting buckets and a lot of the problems around reporting was the Trump administration trying to centralize a decentralized system uh, and, quote unquote, make it better, meaning manipulate it to make Trump look better so he could get reelected. So this is a good one. Create more vaccination sites, direct FEMA to create federally supported community vaccination centers, uh, executive order on. All right. So let me ask you this, because I. Um, Wickender on uh, Twitch here says, I'm going to go against the libertarian grain here and say I think there could be a role for FEMA to facilitate vaccine distribution. As an anarchist, Harry, the greatest threat to the economy is the virus. The vaccination is the, the way to get out of that problem. Uh, do and Do you see a role for FEMA and the military even and their networks to help distribute the vaccine to end this?
3: A lot quicker. All right. First off, the threat to the economy is not the virus. It's the government reaction to the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, FEMA is dangerous to black people. Why? Uh, uh, huh? Explain uh, okay. that. Man, that's one of the top killers of black people. We're behind, like, what? What? Fried chicken and um, <laughs> police. Okay. Please explain right. yourself. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that is a boondogs joke from the TV show The Boondocks. Okay. Um, yeah. Because of Katrina. Yeah. Because of Katrina. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, gotcha. Classic, classic joke. Anyways, um, while I see that their network is pretty neat and it's and it's neat, but their distribution and their big data is trash. Um, an organization that does this on like this whole logistics aspect can easily outpace them in the private sector because the best people who are doing logistics they do it they do big data for big companies all the time did
0: you see one local hospital hired chick-fil-a to manage their the routing of their
3: vaccination so one hospital
0: yeah. network called in chick-fil-a
3: mm-hmm it would freaking make sense it's like all right so there's one youtube channel out there it's called food theory they did game theories like that but food theory was talking about little caesar's pizza and little caesar's riddle reason the main reason why little caesar's pizza is so cheap it's not that the ingredients are crap it's that little caesar's found out they made more money figuring out the distribution of food than they did making pizzas mm. yeah they understand what they're doing they understand their marketplace Okay. So, like it, and they under, and they could process that data and transfer it all the time. It's why, like Costco and Sam's Club have been, um, is everything can move so cheaply. And that's why Amazon moved to that thing. Like, do we need to make these products or control the distribution so we can actually move these products around everywhere?
0: Right. So instead of, Going to the FEMA and centralize, which has a terrible track record of, like you mm-hmm. said, like of most things.
3: Yep, uh, nepotism and.
0: Right. Instead of. Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. Uh, instead of empowering the federal agency, go to logistics experts in the private sector, the CVSs, the Walgreens, the UPS, the, you know, all that. Put together a council of private entities. So, you know, this is where. This is where public can come in and they can, you know, convene a council of private people. Like this is what happens with homelessness here in Indianapolis, for instance. We don't have a public homeless shelter. We don't have a public homeless agency. We just have a public agency that helps network the the various homeless organizations together and convenes an informational discussion, right? So um, something along those lines would be more effective in distributing the vaccine, in your opinion.
3: Yes, Yes. Okay. It's a, yeah, it's just, it is even like if you had to send a package overnight to someone in, in a different state, who do you choose? You choose FedEx, UPS, right? Or the USPS. I don't know about you, but I ordered a yoga towel in december and i didn't get it to me till this week because i had to, I had to go to the post office to complain because today oh, i had USPS. somebody mail
0: me from downtown indianapolis which is 10 minutes north of me two miles north of me mailed me a check it took three weeks to get here <laughs> you know i got yesterday from ups an order from amazon that i ordered
3: that morning uh I two-day aired a laptop on Friday to a new employee in California, and he got (laughs) got it Sunday.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay, let me go back to my place so we can uh, continue on. Executive order on supporting the reopening and continue operation of schools and early childhood education providers. Directs the DOE and HHS to provide guidance for safety – safely reopening and operating schools child care providers and institutions of higher education every local community has a health network that can take care of this for them like when covid hit chick-fil-a called iu health they came in and helped them set up a system like uh, again another one of these things where it's looks it looks like they're doing something for everybody's benefit but it's just You know, it's political Uh, executive order on protecting worker and health safety calls on the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to release clear guidance on covid-19 and to decide whether to establish emergency temporary standards and direct OSHA to enforce worker health and safety requirements. You want to talk about killing jobs? (laughs) Uh, you know, go back and listen to our interview with Jeff Bennett, who runs a business in California, and hear how he is doing everything he possibly can to keep his workers and customers safe, because he cares about his workers and customers. OSHA does not care, and and has arbitrary rules and regulations. They want shut down. I lost a day's worth of income when I did construction cleanup because they shut down the construction sites because to use any chemical on a construction site, you must have these sheets that mm-hmm. detail what's in the chemical. Well, we mm-hmm. didn't have one of those sheets for Dawn dish detergent, and so we just couldn't show up to work that day because OSHA was doing an inspection. And so, you know, we're just going to see more of that. Uh, so OSHA is one of these agencies that everybody it, – it, It's like it's like DCS, quite frankly – Everybody feels like something is being done because OSHA and DCS exist, but when you get them involved, they don't help and they make everything more complicated and nothing is solved and nobody's safer. It's it's the companies themselves, their bottom line, and the insurance that they buy that actually keeps people safe. Uh, I had lunch with a guy who worked for OSHA once, and I said basically that to his face and he was just like, you were so wrong, I don't believe you, blah, 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 there's this, there's that. Got a message from about a month ago going, yeah, I quit. You're exactly right. (laughs) Um, um, Executive order on promoting COVID-19 safety in domestic and international travel. Okay. Requires mask wearing in airports and on certain modes of transportation. That was already being done, please. Uh, Executive order on ensuring equitable pandemic response and recovery creates a COVID-19 health equity task force to help ensure an equitable pandemic response and recovery. Okay, another blue ribbon panel. I mean, you know, no offense to Joe Biden, who seems like his heart may be in the right place with this. But Harry, as a man of color, I'm guessing when Tuskegee ass old federal government comes along and tells you what's safe and not safe, you are skeptical.
3: Oh, completely (laughs) skeptical. Like, like like I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but oof something like deep inside me just said i don't i'm, I'm good i'm not doing first round <laughs> I go through a lot more people lighter than me before i take this and I you think. are not
0: going to be persuaded by a federal bureaucrat you're going to be persuaded by somebody probably in your community your family a trusted expert somebody locally
3: correct yeah yeah i make sure my doctor and uh my other doctor check you know Shakes it out, make sure it's okay, and then I'm gonna make sure I give it to the expendable um sister first. <laughs> see how she reacts. And then I'll probably take it after. And I'm going like I said, I'm not an anti vaxxer, even though I did make sure on my daughter's um birthday because she got marked down as white, so she gets the good vaccines when she goes to the hospital. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Uh DeCreda Bell, our good buddy on Twitch says, Native women agree. <laughs> Sorry, it's just it's just you're not like like. Hey, flu vaccine's okay. The vaccines are great. I I even can like I've sat there and my limited knowledge of uh, biochemistry, you know, I can get it. I like this seems awesome, but something deep inside me goes, ooh, not first round.
0: Yeah, uh, national security directive on the United States global leadership and to strengthen the international COVID response and advance global health security and biological preparedness. Uh, it's a presidential directive to restore America's leadership. Well, that's going to probably take a little bit more work than just a, an executive order, buddy, uh, executive order on protecting the federal workforce of requiring mask wearing. And so you'll hear, you know, his promise was we're going to, we're going to wear masks. Well, he's requiring the federal workforce, which I imagine was already wearing masks unless they worked at the white house, uh, to wear masks. So he can then say he fulfilled a campaign promise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. letter to his Excell- excellency Antonio Gutierrez, which puts uh, it stops the withdrawal from the World Health Organization, uh, with Fauci becoming the head of the delegation to WHO. Did you see that Fauci is the highest federal worker?
3: He makes the like highest f- paid, yeah, yeah. He makes yeah. like four million a year. Yeah, yeah. It just shows you like you know like where his bread is buttered, you know. And and everyone's like, but it's the WHO. Yeah, remember when the WHO was like burning us. It's like. Like, I, I understand the knowledge base of, of the WHO, but I, I would say, like, cool, cool, WHO, we can be on board, but let's meet in um, Taipei, Taiwan, okay? Let's to discuss this. Right. And I, and I need you to say where you're going Yeah, on camera. It, it, Biden's <laughs> worried about
0: restoring the credibility of the United States to these global institutions, but honestly, the World Health Organization, their tracker with China a year ago, mm-hmm. y- y'all need to restore some credibility with us. Uh, Correct. I mean, it's Correct. it's – you know, Dr. Fauci – I th- yeah, I don't know if you heard the interview with The Daily with him or read the interview where he was talking about the death threats that he's gotten and, like, the powder that showed up in his office. And he opened this letter, and the powder hit him in the face, and his daughter and wife are in the room, and they all, like, panicked and,
3: you know – Which is egregious, and you shouldn't do that.
0: You know, it, it. he – Here's the thing about Fauci, like, I, I follow the double masking thing, because you keep seeing the whole, like, now it's triple masking, oh, you're going to have to wear the whole box box on your face. Mm-hmm. Here's the 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 origin of that story, right? So it starts with a couple people, like the poet and Pete Buttigieg wearing two masks at the inauguration, and so somebody, you know, asks, hey, I saw them wearing two masks, what do you think of that, Dr. Fauci, and, and he kind of always off the cuff goes, well, you know, I'm, sure that's more effective you're getting double layer and then Mm -hmm. like because fauci said it the journalists you know at buzzfeed and all these other places like well now we have to wear triple masks we have to like they like really push it like i always find like the the response to fauci on both sides is so overblown because he'll kind of say things off the cuff and give his opinion on it and be open and just, like, instead of political, he just like, yeah, I guess that could probably be the case. And then, like, you tune into right-wing Twitter Twitter five minutes later, it's like, he's going to enslave you with double masks and you're going to get anal swabs. And then you turn on, you know, the left-wing journalist and it's, St. Fauci today said that we all must.
3: And he never said anything. Like, yeah, you know... It's kind common sense that if you wear two masks, <laughs> it's far more effective.
0: You know, and, and then he, uh, like he'd just straight up be disrespectful to Donald Trump's face. And then he did it to Joe Biden this week too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he'd always, well, I don't think that's true. And people would apparently just be furious with him in the Trump administration when he would counteract. Uh, and then he did it this week to Joe Biden where they said something and he's like, ah, I don't think, Oh, it was the, um, um, Oh, it was the ba- the straight up lie from the Biden administration that, that there was zero COVID vaccination plans so i expect we'll see a lot of this like you'll see a lot of articles about how donald trump didn't do anything because donald trump was lazy but there was this this story out that you know there's no plan there's no vaccination plan we're starting from scratch and dr fauci just gets up in a press conference goes well that's not true there's a lot going on and apparently the biden administration was unhappy with Anthony Fauci so you know it's just interesting to watch everybody's reaction tribalistically to this stuff
3: correct you know and rectal swabs of COVID-19 is far more accurate far more accurate.
0: <laughs> if you can't get people to wear a mask yeah China is now saying that it is far more accurate to do anal swabs for COVID testing oh, man. <laughs> I, I mean I haven't had to get a COVID test thankfully but I don't know. Would you rather get an anal swab or would you rather have them like puncture your brain like they do?
3: Well, uh, if I can hit the bar first, I'll probably do the anal swab. <laughs> All right. If I'm honest. Okay. okay. It's um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just I think my nose is just I just don't want them in my face that way. But they're back there. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't go back there. I wouldn't go back there personally if I was you. <laughs> okay uh
0: okay uh executive order on organizing and mobilizing the u.s to provide a unified and effective response to co- combat COVID 19 and to provide u.s leadership on a global health and security this is just signaling to world agencies that we're back in the game we're not going to be like trump was and surly and non-cooperative uh, on the census executive order on ensuring a lawful and accurate enumeration and apportionment pursuant to the decennial census requires non-citizens to be included in the census and apportionment of congressional representatives. I don't know that I agree with non-voting people being included in a census for congressional districts. I have to think about that more. But, you know, human beings are living in a district and deserve representation, right? Like the whole representation without... uh, I don't know what whatever it
3: is taxation uh, without representation thank you um well, the, the, but
0: I have to think on that
3: more. I like the idea of it because of the fact that uh, if uh because it begs the difference, the question is like what is technically a citizen, and that makes me even like happier because it's like cool if they're counted, then are they citizens, and what does this really mean, and what does it mean to actually be live in the area and these artificial boundaries that we created look, they're stupid, yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I worry about, you know, which can be a worry, can be a concern, is that if you have like a border and you could just like influx people over just to give yourself your district, you know, your podium districts more numbers. So I I get that. Uh, What Trump did with
0: the census, Trump basically tried to end the census early, tried to just mm -hmm. fool with it, not count people like he. You know, this is really important. This is like a constitutionally mandated thing that there's tons of federal funds and congressional districts and everything's tied to this and electors like it needs to be done right. And so, you know, I agree with this one. You need to make sure the counts, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Immigration preserving and fortifying deferred action for childhood arrivals strengthens DACA after Trump's efforts to undo protections for undocumented people brought into the country as children. DACA should be done through tr- – Trump was right yes. back in the day. DACA should be done through Congress, mm-hmm. and what he did was say, I'm giving you a timeline, nothing ever happened on it, and it's left these people, the, the DACA kids, in limbo, mm-hmm. and it's not right. And until, right. like, in, in, you, people who were born here and are Americans mm-hmm. and yet don't have their citizenship, like, why would we not want them
3: to stay here? I, I right. You know, it's it's, it's – Crazy to me, Harry. Right, but uh, should also show how tenuous the issue is that the Democrats own three that has control in a massive swaths of the government, and they don't think they can get that bill across without you know you know getting rid of somebody. Someone's going to get outvoted. Someone's going to get primaried, or someone's going to get hit in the midterms.
0: Yeah, so this, this reverses Trump basically messing with immigrants, and I wholeheartedly support it. This is – the immigration section is one of the best parts. I mean we'll give the good and bad. Uh, executive order on the revision of similar immigration enforcement policies undo undoes Trump's expansion of immigration enforcement, uh, reinstating deferred and forced departure for libertarians. Oh, Liberians. Excuse me. Oh. Extends. Uh, I just I thought all of a sudden that maybe some of our, our Ron Paul friends are right and that we're all being deported uh, extends deferrals of deportation and work authorizations for Liberians with a haven in the U.S. Uh, proclamation on the termination of emergency with respect to the southern border. So it halts construction of the border wall, which Trump did by executive order by terminating the national emergency declaration. He also uh, ended child separation. Uh, which is fantastic and i'm all for all the immigration uh, reversals here Uh, executive order on ethics commitments by executive branch personnel requires executive branch appointees to sign an ethics pledge barring them from acting in personal interest and requiring them to uphold the independence of the department of justice Regulation, modernizing regulatory review directs the White House Office of Management and Budget Director to develop recommendations to modernize regulatory review and undoes Trump's regulatory approval process. So basically getting rid of for every one new regulation, you got to get rid of two, which I loved. I thought was great. And I'm sad that is gone. Those are the consequences of running a terrible candidate. And I am forever disappointed in Republicans for doing it. Uh, Now. Some of those, most of these are undoing what Trump did, which he shouldn't have done in the first place. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Most of these are grandstanding and have no real effect. Uh, Some of these I really like, like the immigration stuff. Some of these I really don't like the regulation stuff. Uh, It is, is it the end times? No. Uh, But. (laughs) right (laughs) like the the last one the ethics one we promise we won't be corrupt trust me i promise um (laughs) so the new york times of all people harry i want you to i want you to hear this i'm going to read most of it all
3: right
0: uh president biden now again this is the editorial board of the new york times president biden is moving aggressively to turn the page on the trump era A week into his presidency, Mr. Biden has issued a raft of executive orders and other actions. Already, he has committed to rejoining the Paris Climate Change Agreement, ended the Muslim travel ban, canceled the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, rescinded funding for and halted construction on the wall on the southern border, reaffirmed DACA mandated mask wearing on federal grounds, moved to end federal government's reliance on private prisons, reversed the ban on transgender military service, and called for agency assessments aimed at advancing racial equity, just to name a few. The coming days will bring more such action. These moves are being met with cheers by Democrats and others eager to see the legacy of Donald Trump's presidency dismantled post-haste. Republicans, meanwhile, are grumbling about presidential overreaching and accusing Mr. Biden of betraying his pledge to seek unity. Okay. That's the dumbest one of them all. Like, when I see a Republican, like, unity, unity, just shut up. Like, you're talking about him not being a uniting figure from people who have no credibility left. Like, you know, Chip Roy called for an investigation into AOC because she said to Ted Cruz on Twitter that he tried to kill her on january 6th i'm sorry chip roy but your your demand for an investigation of her for bad conduct only works if you have credibility and you have lost all credibility as a party like the republican party's credibility is at the lowest point i've ever seen it uh so again like these calls of unity it's like dude you guys have been the most disuniting the MAGA crowd is so un- disuniting. Like, I, it, whenever you use that it's just as a punchline, it's just people roll your eyes at you. I want you to know that. In other words, things are going the same way they often do in Washington. There's sort of a tribalism when it comes to the use of executive orders, observes John Hudak, a senior fellow in governance studies at the Brookings Institution. Not that John Hudak, I asked, but they did go to college together, Weirdly. When your party's in the White House, it's the greatest thing on earth. When your party's out, it's undemocratic. It's basically Satan's pen, John writes. But this is no way to make law, the New York Times continues. A polarized, narrowly divided Congress may offer Mr. Biden little choice but to employ executive actions or see his entire agenda held hostage. Those directives, however, are a flawed substitute for legislation. They are intended to provide guidance to the government and need to work within the discretion granted the executive by existing law or the Constitution. Executive orders do not create new law. The Times continues through executive order, though executive orders carry the force of law and they are not meant to serve as an end run around the will of Congress by design. Such such actions are more limited in what they can achieve than legislation and presidents who overreach invite intervention by the courts like we saw at the travel ban. Mm-hmm. But legal limitations are not only, or perhaps the biggest point of concern, executive actions are far more ephemeral and easily discarded than legislation, which can set us up on a whipsaw effect as each president scrambles to undo the work of his predecessor. Just as Mr. Trump set about reversing the policies of Obama Uh, obama's directives as possible mr biden is now working to reverse many of mr trump's reversals with executive orders there is always another presidential election just a few years off threatening to upend everything Mm -hmm. this creates instability and uncertainty that can carry significant economic as well as human costs just consider how the dreamers Immigrants illegally brought to the United States as minors have had their lives disrupted in recent years. Mr. Obama established DACA to protect them from deportation. Upon taking office, Mr. Trump moved to end the program, setting off years of legal challenges and throwing these people's lives into a nightmarish limbo. Mr. Biden now has moved to reaffirm, reaffirm the protections. The fragility of the dreamer's status has been laid bare. Presidents have wide latitude, both constitutionally and statutorially to set immigration policy, but the dreamers deserve better than to be subject to the whims of whoever holds the white house. It is long past time for Congress to establish a clear, more permanent path for them. Mm -hmm. Executive actions can signal priorities. For instance, Mr. Biden's push to promote racial equity or tackling climate change. Mr. Trump was good at the theatrical part of this, if not so much at providing actual guidance, his directives tended to be vague and sloppy quote, bumper stickers rather than pamphlets. Mr. Hudak put it. Undoing some of Mr. Trump's excesses is necessary, but Mr. Biden's legacy will depend on his his ability to hammer out agreements with Congress. On the campaign trail, he often touted his skill at finding compromise and his decades as a legislator as reasons to elect him over Mr. Trump. The country faces significant challenges to recovering from the pandemic, from a global recession, from years of safety nets and institutions and trust being eroded. Now it is time for a new president to show the American people what permanent change for a better nation can look like. Did Tom Woods write that? or <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know. I read that and I went, they're challenging the whole notion of it. And they're exactly right. Because the whole point of, like just like when we were talking about stability in the last segment, stability brings greater liberty and so i'm not a doom and gloom let's burn it all down let's start with uh you know what a collapsitarian i'm not one of those right because stability is incredibly important for prosperity peace harmony all the things that i care about and and the end results that i want as a libertarian and Governing by the pen and the phone does not create that stability. It does not create predictability, which is incredibly necessary for people to live out their lives as they need need to live out their lives. Right? Like the whole point of libertarianism is for people to self actualize. I self find their m- meaning in life, <laughs> uh, and so you. You cannot allow the government to constantly interfere and intervene in people's lives because that prevents them from finding happiness, right? Like that's the whole point of the Black Lives Matter movement, for instance. Policing is intervening in our ability to live as free citizens, and it needs to stop. It's the whole point of the the lockdown protest last year. You're intervening in our ability to run our businesses and live our lives as we see fit. Uh, and to protect our customers on our own, right? Like, it's, it's the government intervening in people's rights. Self-government. Thank you, Facebook user. The whole American system is set up for people to have a predictable, stable government that gets out of the way, that lets them self-govern. And executive orders and the whipsaw effect that this creates is absolutely unacceptable, and the practice must be ended. And so, uh, another, another book that I'll recommend is the cult of the presidency. Make sure you check that out because, uh, it's, it's, uh, and there's also a great book by the Mises Institute called reassessing the presidency. And they talk a lot about the growth of the presidency and why it is, uh, a bad thing for Liberty and a bad thing for government and executive orders play a role
3: in that. Um, wrap up on this, Harry, what are your thoughts? um is the reason why all these executive orders are getting done right now he's expending a lot of political capital and he's got a lot of cover right now to get this done doing this next year or two years from now no not so much i think he would would you know get flayed in in the media after like this and would seem as almost like dictatorial powers so which it it is and that's so right now just and making sure it's all salt and peppered with the um It's like, well, reversing Trump and gives him the cover to do all this. Yeah. 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 And you're absolutely right. Like it's the and the dreamers don't they human beings shouldn't be political footballs. You know, they they're humans. They have rights, you know, and you're not supposed to be able to vote on these rights. Give them the rights that they deserve as human beings. Human
0: rights, natural rights extend to people who aren't citizens of that country. Yes. Because they come from the person's existence. Yep. Not from the status of their, like, that's the whole, the yep. like, the pro-borders libertarian makes no sense to me because you are essentially saying that a person's rights only exist if they're in a certain state. Uh, no, that's not the natural rights tradition. <laughs> right. Yep. Okay. Thank you all so much for joining us. It's been a longer show than normal, and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you watching. If you learned something, if you like the show, then please share it with your friends. Make sure you go back and listen to the shows from this previous week. Harry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Not and, and we'll be back next week. We'll talk a little bit about the minimum wage. Thank you so much for listening to The Chris Spangle Show.